2: Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Swing and a miss in the dirt.
3: Stevenson gathers, completes the put out, and the Reds win it. Sky to center, sliding grabs Shogo Akiyama. Game
4: winner! They could seek a sweep at St. Louis. Swing and a miss. Ball lost. Barnhart's got it, and the Reds sweep the Cardinals in St.
3: Louis. Their first four-game broom cleaning at bush Stadium in over 30 years. That was such a big series for us to um, go
5: out there and and, and prove that we're coming. We're um we're confident. We're ready to roll. Um,
6: we'll take on anybody.
3: That audio, courtesy of Bally Sports Cincinnati, not a good weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals. Was that comment from, like, four weeks ago? We're coming, we'll take on anybody? Well, that was the Cincinnati side of things. Mm. See, what happened, Alex, is the Cardinals lost four straight to the Reds over the weekend, and the Cardinals are now closer to the Reds in the standings, not good, than they are the Cubs or the Brewers. Oh, Two and a half fine. games back in the NL Central, 31-29 and 29 after this 17-game stretch of 17 games in 17 days with Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins filling in for Tanner Hendrickson this week and I'm Brandon Kylie. Alex that felt like the low point for me of the season I'm not sure you get a whole lot lower no they didn't lose these in blowout fashion but every single game the Cardinals came up in the bottom of the ninth inning and they had somebody at the plate who was either the game tying or game winning run and in every single game, they fell short. What was your reaction to the weekend? My man? You
4: know, frustrating. Yes, because I mean, I heard Danny Mac say it's the first time you we were swept by the Reds in a really long time. I forgot what the year that he said. 31 years. I mean, that's incredible in itself. But it's hard for me to get too frustrated with it because I look at this season right now like I looked at the blue season, right? I don't know how to evaluate this team I mean go through the lineup you're missing five or six impactful players on top of it your bullpen is taxed because your rotation has just been obliterated with injuries so as frustrating as that was you just wrapped up a 17 game consecutive stretch where look that's a lot to play and people don't like hearing it but the travel that goes into it that's an effect as well it's hard for me to sit here and say, oh, well, the sky is falling. Now, this team definitely looks different than the one that we saw a month ago where I felt confident that they could compete with the Dodgers and the Padres yeah. and go for a World Remember Series. we talking about that? I, <laughs> I, I might have been crazy when we were talking about that. This team looks like it's barely going to make the playoffs. But again, I view this the way I viewed the Blues. I can't really sit here and assess this team and say, oh, well, yeah, they're done for because they're missing Yachty. Bader, DeYoung, Flair. I mean, go down the list, the amount of injuries this team's gone through. I've
3: got it for you. Here's the list of the current hear. Cardinals on the injured list. It's the depressing. starting pitchers right now, Flaherty, KK, Michaelis Hudson. That'd be a really nice four-man start to your rotation for any team in the big leagues. Relievers, Hicks and Cody Whitley. Position players, you've got DeYoung, Bader, Williams. Moroff is now going to be out for the rest of the season. And no, he wasn't going to be a significant contributor, but you know, another depth piece that is also lost for the year. It's brutal, and you made the correct comparison. I remember we were talking in the middle of the Blues season, and at one point, we looked at each other, we're like, how the hell are we supposed to evaluate this version of the Blues? Yeah. This isn't the team that's going to be playing the Avs, well— we thought at the time it wasn't. It ended up being pretty close. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't supposed to be the team that we were going to see for the Blues in the postseason. And so I feel the same way right now about the Cardinals. Was this a brutal 17-game stretch where they went 6-11 and 11 and you ended up with half of your roster on the IL, basically? Yeah. But I'm not going to make any grand statements today about how this season is over and there's no chance that they can get it back. They're in a really rough spot right now. And the next couple of weeks are going to be brutal. And if they can't take advantage of the fact that they're going to play Detroit in Pittsburgh and Arizona and Colorado to finish out this month, that could be what dooms their season. But between now and then, you've got about two and a half weeks. They got to find a way to turn this thing around, and it's got to be on the offense. You've got to get more out of guys like Goldschmidt and Arenado. Tyler O'Neill has been coming through in such a big way. He's got to continue that. You need Yadi to come back relatively healthy. When DeYoung gets back, he's got to be the player we expected him to be, not the player he's actually produced as so far this year. I can't put more faith into this rotation than we have so far because there's no reason to. So this team is going to come down to what they get out of the offense, not the pitching now.
4: Yeah. And if you break it up to BK, I mean, you know, we, we started last week talking about the road trip where they went 500 and you win a 500 road trip. That's success, but you got to get it done at home. That's the more frustrating part. I think where you come home against Cincinnati, but again, that's a depleted group of guys who got in really late and took the field against Cincinnati. There was no days off essentially for them. But I'm with you. I'm not looking at the pitching as much as I'm looking at the offense. I know a lot of people are expecting me to eat crow right now because of John Gant's performance. But look.
3: Hey, man, if you have to do it, it, I got to do it, too. I mean, that was a classic BKO. It
4: was bound to happen. But he has been the saving grace for this team this season because a lot of the other guys have had this consistently. This is the first time this has happened to John Gant. Your bullpen actually came out and saved the day for you here. Kept you in the game on hell Rondon along with Andrew Miller and Giovanni Gallegos. The offense is my concern and it's not so much. I mean, yes, I want to see more from Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. And frankly, it was a tough game yesterday for Tommy Edmund and Dylan Carlson, but those guys have been doing it all year. Mm-hmm. I'm looking more at the five, six, seven, eight spots. Tyler O'Neill has filled that well, but without Paul DeYoung, without Harrison Bader, without Yadier Molina, I think we know what Edmundo Sosa, we know what Rondon, sorry, T-Bone, we know what Andrew Kisner are. You need the regular guys back because if they can't get it done, you need somebody else to get it done because the bottom of the order is the problem right now.
3: So what is your assessment of the team right now? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Here's what Mike Schilt had to say after this 17-game stretch. He does not sound concerned, but, yeah, of course, he shares in the frustration that all of us have.
4: I'm frustrated, but I'm not concerned. Uh, you know, the reason I'm frustrated because we weren't able to get work, you know, get the result that we would like to have Then the game. I'm not concerned because when you have a group of guys, to this point, you're playing clean baseball. You know, our walks are down. Um, so that narrative is, is improved. Um, and we fought our tails off and competed at every turn. There'd be concern if there was other things that were taking place. Um, Lack of effort, lack of fight, lack of competitive spirit. You know, not playing clean, playing sloppy, beating ourselves. But that wasn't necessarily the case the last, this whole series. And while it's frustrating, it's a to feel good about with this club. And
5: I, I feel great about this club. I'm proud of them.
3: There are some things that you can feel good about. The defense was pretty solid overall over the weekend. A couple of misplays, sure. But you're going to have that in a, any four-game series. Overall, though, they made some spectacular plays that kept this thing closer than it would have been otherwise. The pitching overall... It's fine I wouldn't say it was great it was fine for you it's hard for me to say that yeah the walks are totally fixed now I looked this up Alex in this 17 game stretch the Cardinals relievers were 26th in Major League Baseball and walk rate yeah, it's better they were last and now you're the fifth worst in baseball when it comes to walking guys so you've improved there Uh, Your starting pitchers in this 17-game stretch had a 5.1 ERA. Your relievers had a 5.1 ERA as well. You were were truly a mediocre baseball team in these 17 games, and you found ways to lose, and that's not what we expected to see from the Cardinals this season. I'm not going to make, again, any grand takeaways because of the way that they're beat up right now, but that's now going to become the big question. How does this team overcome what is a massive influx of injuries? It seems like they ha- add somebody new to the IL every single day. We went over the list. Here's Michael Gersh talking about what the Cardinals can do. And then here and now, when it comes to their trade deadline approach,
5: you can talk to other teams about trades, but making trades in early June is a challenge just in general. It's even more of a challenge. If, if people sniff desperation in the air, there's players out there. Um, It's just trying to find players that make sense to acquire that, that we feel like would be an upgrade and that that could help us. Man, that
4: was a great quote. I mean, honestly, that that's the Cardinals problem right now. Team sniff desperation. You are not going to pull off a trade right now because the Cardinals are down spiraling. They have pretty much their entire roster on the injured list. And on top of it, You don't have a lot of top prospects to give up that you're willing to depart from. So if I'm a team and the Cardinals call me, like, let's just say I'm the, I don't know, let's say the Detroit Tigers right now. And I call and say, we need, we need pitching. Okay. Give me Nolan Gorman. No, I'm not doing that. Well, you're not getting them then. (laughs) I don't care if it's Matthew Boyd. I don't care if it's my minor league guy who's never going to get the bigs. You're desperate. You give me what I want or you're not getting it. That's the Cardinals predicament.
3: There's some truth to that. And also, they got to find somebody. They have to, man. Did they the- pick somebody off waivers yesterday? Yeah, but he's a minor leaguer. He's a guy that, remember bring bring up? <laughs> Remember when John Mosellock said we've got to add depth to the, our minor league system as well because we're we're drawing from that for the big league club? That's the type of guy that they're looking yeah, but at look, there. Yeah, look,
4: you brought up a minor leaguer
3: yesterday, and he got you a scoreless inning with a strikeout. Yeah, Rondon's one of their bigger prospects. Bring he's this guy be- up? This guy's not, not on that list. This is his third team in 2021. He ain't helping you this <laughs> what year. What do we do? And in Waddell, right? Yeah, and he, he's not going to well, be the... tell him to waddle his way up to the bigs? <laughs> <laughs> so one problem that the Cardinals are running into is every other team is also feeling the injury bug right now. We talked about John Means, right? As a potential really interesting... Oh, yeah, he'd be great. The no-hitter. Let's get him. Yeah, he's on the I.L. Oh. He just went on the I.L. over the weekend. Well, well, what about Spencer Turnbull? This was somebody that people were texting in about the other night. Like, oh, go get Spencer Turnbull from Detroit. Yeah, he's got a forearm strain. He's on the IL as well. On the plus side, you've got John Gray, right? Maybe we go back yeah. to the... To oh, that, the, was like a, that was like acquiring an ace from another team. He could be your number two guy.
4: What about this guy?
3: Yeah, he's on the IL too, man. He's also got a forearm okay, strength. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> may,
4: so maybe every other major league team is like, hey, Cardinals, don't call. He's on the injured list. He's not available. On the
3: plus side, Gibby's back.
4: Oh my God! You going with Kyle, Gibby again,
3: Kyle Gibson? You're going nicknames on him again. Made a start over the weekend. Looked great. Threw five and a third scoreless against the Tampa Bay Rays. Had five strikeouts, yeah. zero walks. Yeah, he's available. Oh, okay, <laughs> maybe he's the answer. Yes I'm, sure,
4: I'm sure Texas is sniffing desperation for Gibby if the Cardinals start calling. Now, someone in the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Guy Scott Casimir was put on waivers. Why not sign him? Sure. If I'm not mistaken he's San Francisco, right? Yep. Why the hell would you want a guy that
3: the number one team in the NL West decides, ah, let's put him on waivers. Hey, he's got a 6.4 ERA and seven innings so far this year. He could help them. How many games, how many games are those seven innings through two? All right, let's go get ourselves a three and a half inning guy. Let's get it. The, the answers aren't out there right now. And that's the most frustrating part. It's not just what you're seeing on the field. It's also as you look out there and try to find somebody that can help them. There's just not a whole lot yeah. available. So we'll see what the Cardinals do. If there's any news, we will certainly pass that along to you. 65780 is the air comfort service Tax line. We'd love to hear from you guys throughout the morning. I know you have some questions about the home run derby. We will give you our experience. We were not a part of a home run derby. in are talking minutes. about it's 11:15. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Katie Wu is going to join us coming up at 12 o'clock. Coming up next, though, Chris Beyer is a former Major League shortstop. He was a Red Co- Red's coach from 2008 to 2013. He's going to help us try to figure out all of the questions that the Cardinals are dealing with right now when he joins us next on 101 ESPN. with alex ferrario i'm brandon Kyle. it's bk and ferrario on 101 espn right now we are very happy to go out to the brownie and Croupin celebrity line to be joined by chris spire he's a former major league shortstop he was a three-time all-star and won a 2001 world series title with the arizona diamondbacks and we are happy to talk to him after this red series he's with the reds as a coach from 2008 to 2013 chris we sincerely appreciate the time this morning how are you doing my friend
7: you know i'm doing well um it's my first year away from baseball I'm uh, retired now, so uh, it's uh it feels a little different
3: what's but it like? What's it, it like to have time where you're not regimented every minute of every day basically
7: <laughs> you know it there is that sense of freedom and every day is like a weekend for me um, you know i'm I'm here in California and I'm right near the beach so you know it's it's really really phenomenal and uh, you know I made the decision that you know i needed to i needed to kind of reconnect and and enjoy my grandkids while i can so um you know it's been it's been phenomenal i've been i've been really really happy
4: well i was about to ask you chris about how long you think until you miss the game but then you (laughs) said beach and grandkids so i'm assuming you're (laughs) never going to miss the game that much right
7: no you know there's a lot of things that i'll miss about it and there's a lot of things i won't miss about it uh but uh You know, when you get into this time of the year and uh, I think they've played about 60 games now and you kind of look at the standings and, you know, the juices and the competitiveness starts flowing, you know, especially, you know, when you get into some of these series like, you know, like the Reds and, and St. Louis and, you know, St. Louis with the Cubs and there's all these little rivalries that go on and, you know, you miss that. You miss the camaraderie with the guys in that competition.
4: So Chris, that's a great jumping off point uh, from, from the, the former status of being a player and a manager and a bench coach at the major league level. What, when do you start evaluating your team in a season? Because like you mentioned, you're about 60 games through right now. You're mm-hmm. not halfway, but you're past a quarter mark is now where you start to evaluate and say, this is our team. Or do you still have a couple more weeks before you really know?
7: And you know what? I think there's always a, there's always the, um, trying to make the team better. That always goes on, but you get a really good sense, especially if you have some younger players or, or some older guys or people that are coming off injuries, this 60 game mark is a, is a pretty good, uh, pretty good time to kind of sit there and say, okay, uh, moving forward, um, you know, what do we need to do maybe to get better? And uh, this is the time, I think, you know, for general managers and, and the manager to, to have these conversations and, you know, you got, you got trading, you know, possibilities uh, coming up and, uh, you know, you want to make, you know, you want to, you want to be competitive. You want to get into that playoff scenario. And this is about the time you can kind of look at it and say, okay, we've given our guys, you know, over, you know, hundred at bats, 150, 200 at bats. And, uh, you know, from the pitching standpoint, well, we can't go into pitching because that's <laughs> that's that's always a work in process, you know. Progress. It's uh, you know you can always you can always have you know more pitching. So, um, but this is a good time.
3: Chris Speyer joining us here on 101 ESPN, former major league shortstop. He was a three-time all-star and is a baseball lifer. He's been coaching or was coaching in baseball for about 20 years, his first year out of the game. Now, uh, Chris, I'm always curious, you know, you, you were with the Reds from 2008 to 2013. You have been a part of what was a big time rivalry in that span as well. What do you mm-hmm. remember most from those Reds versus Cardinals head-to-head matchups?
7: Oh, you know, it was fun. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you play so many games, You play 162 games. And when you get into a series like that, there's, there's extra juice blowing, you know, you know, you take it from the top of, of, uh, you know, when you look at the teams and, and we had, you know, we had Dusty and St. Louis had Tony and, you know, there, I think, you know, I think there was always that, you know, a respect, but also a little bit of a rivalry between those two guys. And, uh, you know, one of the things that was funny about Tony is, uh, you know, as the bench coach, which I was with Cincinnati, it was my responsibility to, you know, get the lineups up and, and send over the lineups and receive the lineups and do all that kind of paperwork. And, uh, Tony, Tony was, uh, a little relentless in regards to he'd send over a couple guys. He says, well, I know that these guys are going to be playing. Haven't really made up our lineup yet. So there was always a little bit of battle there, but then, um, you know, once the games got going and, you know, we started to have some pretty good teams, uh, with Cincinnati. Um, but there was always that extra boost, uh, with St. Louis to, you know, to win that series.
4: How much of your managing experience and your baseball knowledge, Chris, did you take away from being around Dusty every day and then, of course, seeing Tony LaRussa as much as you did in St. Louis?
7: You know, I tried to pick up a lot because, uh, you know, I had aspirations, I think, early on in my uh, coaching career, you know, to to figure out a little bit, you know, if I got that chance, you know, what type of manager would I be? And, uh, you know, I got I to gotta mention, you know, another couple of guys. Number one, you know, Tony was a, a master with, you know, working his, uh, you know, his bullpen. You know, he had to help with Dave Duncan, but those guys were really, really good at getting, you know, getting the most out of their bullpen. And it was about keeping them, you know, keeping that that bullpen and that pitching staff, you know, on the same page. You know, and Dusty just always had that uh, ability, uh, no matter, really no matter who you were as a player, uh, upbringing, uh, uh, position or anything, he just had an ability to connect with people. Um, You know, and he, from Dusty's standpoint, and was, you know, he was more concerned and he made that player feel that he, that he really, really cared about them, not as a not as a baseball player, but as a person. And he had that uh, ability to communicate with them. Um, But there was another guy that I had a brief stint with, and he was a St. Louis manager. I got traded over to St. Louis Cardinals, uh, middle of July, and I was under um, Whitey Herzog. And Whitey had that ability also. He, He was, you know, for me, a player's manager. And, uh, you know, I took away a lot, a lot from that, that, you know, it's important to spend that quality time one-on-one with players, uh, not just as a group, but, uh, you know, to, to take an interest in, in their, you know, their upbringing, their background, and where they were as a person.
3: We're talking to Chris Buyer here on 101 ESPN for another few minutes, uh, Chris. One thing that I did want to ask you about today: there was some news over the weekend that it sounds like Major League Baseball is going to start cracking down on these foreign substances that they believe that pitchers are using to increase their spin rates. Uh, you, you're, you're a lifer in this game. I am. I'm curious when when you when you saw this uh, as a story that has started to develop over the course of this season, what what was your reaction to it?
7: You know, as we all know, players, pitchers, hitters, everybody uses something to get a better grip in either the baseball or the bat. And that's been going on, you know, from day one.
8: Mm
7: -hmm. You know, there's always been, I think, every single pitcher that I've ever known usually has some kind of sticky substance that that he wants to – Cap every once in a while to get a a better grip and you know i don't have any problem with with that in uh you know in in regards to feeling and and having a feel of the baseball um you know again you're looking at a picture that's out there and you talk about st louis you talk about the heat you talk about the humidity you know the 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 sweating that these guys are going through Um, You know, the rosin just may not be enough that they have out there. So everybody's always used that. I don't have a problem with that. Foreign substances on the ball. Uh, If it's just for grip, no problem. But I played with, you know, a pitcher that is famous for adding a substance that made the ball do different things. And that was Gaylord Perry. And uh, he put on, you know, a a substance that would help help the ball move. And it wasn't about spin rate. It wasn't about grip. It was about decreasing the spin rate so it acted, you know, in in a tumbling effect so he could get ground balls. Now, if you're going to do that, I have a problem with. But the grip thing, I don't.
3: It's interesting. The other thing that I think is going to be very difficult for Major League Baseball is just like, how do you determine in the moment what is and is not the substance that you're looking for? Because it seems based on everything we've heard, even the hitters have no issue with using a little bit of the rosin with sunscreen to get a better grip because they don't want them hitting the, the hitters, of course. And then if it gets into some of this other stuff that has come out that is truly tacky and sticky, that's where the line kind of comes in. But how do the umpires in the moment determine that? It seems like it's a difficult spot.
7: It does. You know, it really does. I think, you know, are they, how are they going to you know, figure that out, you know, unless major league baseball and just puts out a list of things and says, you know, if there is a tacky field to the baseball, that is not, you know, that, that will be okay. I, you know, I have no idea, you know, and they're putting this burden, you know, um, either on, you know, the umpires or what, you know, I know that Gaylord, you know, the, the, his glove, his hat, and everything else was always looked at to see if they could find that substance, uh, and they never could because he never had it there. Do you? So do, I have no. I do have you know no where idea. he had it? Oh yeah, I. You know, but I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should say anything about that. <laughs> I don't fair. know. I don't know if he's come out and said where he kept it. I think he kept it a. a you know he was so deceptive you know in regards to um how how he got it and where he got it from and i think he probably changed it a lot interesting. But i know it was ne- i know it was never on his hat or his glove interesting
3: hey chris we appreciate the time this morning continue enjoying retirement have a bunch of fun Thank with you. those grandkids of yours all the best and we'll talk with you again soon all right, take care. Thanks, Chris. You got it. That's Chris Speyer joining us here on 101 ESPN, former Major League Shortstop. He's a three-time All-Star. He coached with the Reds from 2008 to 2013 and a 20-year coach in general. It's interesting, man. It's going to be a tough spot for Major League Baseball to actually be able to police this in any way that is consistent. And it sounds like over the course of the next week or so, they're going to try to start doing exactly that. So,
4: Not to be mean. I just really wish that someone was more in charge of this that's better off or better apt to be in charge of this than rob manfred yeah i mean it's like if like i would feel so much more comfortable about trying to mandate this and regulate this if it was theo epstein sure if it was somebody else who you knew the hand or the game was in good hands with
3: it's just difficult to police consistently like you you're going to have a situation where there will be some teams that are policed regularly in certain games and then there are others that are getting away with this so it's I, I don't know how they're going to be able to do this consistently. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. And you may also know us as the home run Kings from the weekend. See,
4: now I was thinking a better transition would have been speaking of consistency, BK and Ferrario over the weekend, <laughs> we're about as consistent as you can
3: get. That is true. And we'll tell you about it next <laughs> on 101 ESPN.
1: Our very own Jim Edmonds and Rick Cainkeel taking part in a home run derby. ink and Edmonds both hitting bombs. Maybe this is Jimmy ball game. You might have a batting cage, but... <laughs> you were past your prime. <laughs> By the way, we understand that Brad Thompson and his radio station were part of it in a home run derby, but they were actually hitting home runs from the outfield and not from home plate. Well, some of them were hitting okay. home runs from the outfield. And
3: it wasn't the outfield,
4: Scotty. It was second base on the cusp of the outfield. That's was, at least 10 feet. I think I was standing on the outfield. I was standing, probably should have been standing further into the outfield.
3: So... Things didn't go well for my guy Alex Ferrario and me over the weekend. Uh, with Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. So we had the pleasure of being involved with the Fast Lane versus the Rizzuto shows home run derby on Saturday night. It was an unbelievable event. We had an absolute blast. It was out of Car Shield Field. Huge thanks to the Hoots for hosting us. Um, and we made an absolute fool out of this show yeah. we should have just we should have tagged in tanner hendrickson he would have made us look better i don't think tanner could have done any better i'm not i'm not buying into that i'm confident he tanner, could. tanner likes to brag that
4: he'd be better at this because he's a good <laughs> wiffle ball player that is very alex, different alex no I'm not I'm not going to give Tanner credit.
3: He literally couldn't have done worse.
4: That's true. He couldn't have done so worse. So
3: you, me, Anthony Stalzer and Brad Thompson, I believe combined for 19 home runs. Am yeah, I right on that? I believe so cuz we lost by 2. So we combined for 19 home runs. And you know and how many we hit? Let me tell you. We really added to that with our zero home runs between the two combined of us. Combined
4: zero home runs. Now if we're counting if we're counting balls that hit the top of the wall, then bk and i hit three total yeah because i hit one and i hit two but that two (laughs) that i hit came after the nine that i completely whiffed on when i
3: stepped up to that plate so that was brutal man let's hear from character and smallman because they talked about this earlier today and i gotta be honest with you man on one side i was like man that's really mean of him offended. to say and on the other side i was like it's totally <laughs> justified and 100 percent fair what they just said jamie rivers was not there that's kind of lame take it or leave it if jamie was there and the fast lane was at full capacity and they had another professional athlete on the squad they would have beaten the ratio
4: i will take that yes the fact that jamie wasn't there was a devastating blow for the 101 ESPN fast lane team it's like the blues
3: right with David Perron not there how are they expected to be at full capacity it's just unfair so for all the people in the stands that were giving the fast lane trouble they're the sports station they should win the sports challenge they're missing a pretty big component in a professional athlete so lay off our guys
4: absolutely are you telling me that uh, BK and Ferrario didn't really step up big time for our squad
7: they gave it their all, Rand. Um, and sometimes, some nights you just don't have it. Sometimes yeah, Michelle, you just don't
3: have all. it. Thank you, Michelle. By the way, it was twenty-seven home runs. I sold uh, Anthony Stalter and BT Short. I apologize for that. Um, I don't think we're ever going to be invited back to one of these. No, we will uh-huh. not be ever invited back to one of these.
4: Um, look, here's the thing: there's 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 no there's no defending what
3: you and I did out there. It was
4: oh oh. Was- I
3: am I am very proud of my performance. Yeah, I know, I know you're not. I'm not at all. Bat.
4: I mean, look, uh, this is how bad it was for me. My family, my wife, my kid was there. They left after my at bat because it was that bad.
3: Brandon Moss, who we talked to on Friday, and I would consider to be friend of the show. He came up to us beforehand, said what's up. We talked with we talked to with him throughout. He was great, and he ended up winning the thing for the major league alumni side of things. Um, he left while we were hitting.
4: Yes, he and his kid went back to the. Uh, the locker room because they just didn't want to yep. watch it and basically that was going to affect his swing if you watched the crap that we did out on the field uh, I will say that is a lot more pressure than I expected I mean that was a sold-out crowd and props to all of the fans out there that showed up for that Uh, to the O'Fallon hoots for putting that on it was such an awesome evening especially the final uh, battle between the uh, the collegiate winner of the tournament yeah. against Brandon Moss. Moss was in ahead of him by like nine home runs with a minute left, and, this and kid then the just, fireworks started. And this kid Literally. just started raking out there. So props to them. But that was so much more pressure than I expected to go into. And then on top of it. I was the first one to go, which was like. After Moon hit 11. That was it. Moon hit 11 home runs. Moon was downplaying himself like, oh, man, I don't know. This is going to be tough. Moon steps up there, and he hits 11 of them. I'm like, are you kidding me? Just pounding balls. That's exactly what he was doing, Marty. He was pounding, pounding balls. And as soon as I missed that first one. I, I knew it, I, it, it was got in, in your my head. head. I was doing the Tomahawk upper swing. I was trying to just big poppy these home runs. I was missing everything. And then, and, and I hope whoever this is, whoever it was, was listening. There was a kid in right field who was shagging pop flies. And he talked the meanest trash to me in my second at bat swing where I missed the ball.
3: Can I set this up real quick? Please. Okay. It was bad. So, we had Jeff Burton. It's not it's not that. Uh we had Jeff Burton doing the MCing of the event while mm-hmm. we were hitting from yeah. from the Rujudo show. He did a fantastic job. And in the middle of Alex's at bat, his 3 minutes where he's attempting to hit home runs, um he says he covers hockey, ladies and gentlemen. Hockey, certainly not baseball. Then the kid in right field, Alex said, "What? I play hockey, and I think I can hit more than this guy can." This kid was no older than 12 years old. Yeah, no I, older honestly, than 12.
4: I should have just dropped the bat and walked away after that.
3: So that was bad. That was bad. I felt so bad for Stalter. I and knew I was gonna be no good. I made that very clear ahead of time. I told everybody that would listen, "This is gonna be bad," and I apologize I in I advance. I did too, though. I think I said I was gonna hit one maybe, and I didn't even get that. I, my my swing is 100% upper body. There's no legs in my swing. Mm-hmm. It is just me dragging the baseball arms. bat through the zone. It looks like Matt Carpenter when he's off. When Matt Carpenter is hurt, that's what my swing looked like. I, there were a lot of 6'3 ground outs for me. I have a question for you guys. And 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved. I think I should be mad at my fiance today. She sent me videos uh, from her seats because she, she videoed my whole plate appearance and i would like that to be burned
4: forever i wish my wife did that but my wife left in the middle of me
3: hitting because it was so embarrassing (laughs) so i of course went back and rewatched it yeah can i let you hear the audio of something she said on that video oh my god now this is somewhat difficult to make out because it's not the the best of video quality we we have kara audio so this is i think her debut on our show kara i think i should be mad at her for what she no. said when the
0: ball? I know he's hitting it it looks
3: exciting play that again Marty the ball?
0: I know he's hitting it, it looks exciting I know
3: he's hitting it that's really exciting why would you be mad about that she's popping you up there she is surprised <laughs> that I made any contact not only did I not hit home um... runs my fiance who I love dearly said on the video while yeah. she is watching me midway through, I know he's making contact. That's really that exciting, exciting, man. You said you weren't even going to hit a ball. And then afterwards, Alex, <clears throat> she came up to me and she said, so her, her niece, my future niece, whenever we get married, I would consider her my niece already. She's the nicest little girl in the world. She actually looked over at Kara during it and said, at least he's trying his best. <laughs> <sighs> at least he's trying his best. Oh my god Alex Brutal You just got trash talked By a how old Eight year old Nine year old Seven Oof. (laughs) Oof I I looked at Kara afterwards And I was like I don't think I have ever felt worse in my life no. than you saying this to me right now. No, nope. this is this is this was rough. And look, so a kid who was twelve yeah. made fun of you during your at bat. And there were Brandon Moss left the field during yeah. our home run I appearances. I can only imagine
4: what Jim Edmonds and Rick Ankiel and Adam Kennedy were sitting there thinking, looking at us like,
3: "Oh, I don't want to know." yeah, uh, I, I don't. Every either. single person that stepped to the plate at any point. Over the course of the three-hour event, every single one of them, Alex, yeah. including the damn Rizzuto show, who incredible. was not even on a sports station, every one of them hit <laughs> Not one, multiple home runs.
4: Yeah, it, look,
3: and can uh, c- we combined for 0 and Alex, I've never been more <laughs> sore in my entire life. Can, can I
4: clear up some misconception, too, because Kara told us, your fiancé, that a lot of people in the stands are like, these guys are on sports stations. There's a reason we are on a sports station. We were terrible in athletics when we were in high school and college. Hold on, that's not nice. That's not uh, nice. I
3: was very average as a football player. Uh, yeah, and look, I, I was just never was a baseball player.
4: Basketball and hockey. <laughs> Were my sports there, not baseball and football, but still, there's a reason we talk sports because we couldn't play sports. That's how bad it was. My ego still hurts from that, and I feel so bad, so bad for Anthony Stalter and Brad Thompson because they were pumping us up the entire time. They were trying no, to get no, the no, best no, no, out no. of us.
3: I don't feel bad for them. I do. No, time you out. Do. They asked us. I did not ask to be a part of this. No, they did
4: not ask us. The people in charge of putting it together asked us. I think BT and Anthony were trying to find some type of replacement players for us, but we
3: were all they could get. And I feel horrible because we let them down. No, I don't feel bad at all. I made it very clear ahead of time that I was going to be atrocious. I I told everybody that would listen, there will be zero home runs produced out of this body. Zero. As long as you preface with that, it's cool. I said up front, I "I want you guys to know this is what I can and cannot bring to the table. I would be happy to drink some beers with you, have a few laughs, and provide some moral support. I will be providing zero in the performance when it comes to home runs. So when I heard Carrick and Smallman today say if Jamie Rivers would have been there, they probably would have won. I was a little hurt at first. I'm going to be honest with you. It hurt my ego. But is she wrong?
4: No, she's not
3: wrong. She's not wrong at all. She's not wrong. I I'm so sore, Alex. Oh my God, my body hurts. My so body much.
4: feels better, but my my ego is just and like I'd love to get like some retribution for that for how embarrassing it was. But we will never be asked to do that again. So we'll uh, we'll just continue to stand here. And by the way, uh, I'd also like to send out a massive apology to Matt Carpenter. I no longer am on the uh, cook carp yep. movement. I am back on the let carp cook movement because. That is so difficult to do, and I was doing it from the second base freaking line. These guys pounding them from the home plate. Props to all of you.
3: Stalter really looked at me beforehand and said, "Just, just swing up, just swing up." That's what I was you, doing, you've got to get the right launching. I missed the damn ball, and I said, "Stalter, I'm not going to do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not good at this. I'm going to continue." It was basically me, Marty, coming up to the plate and swinging straight down at the baseball. It was as if I was trying to hit it right back into the ground. And I'll be damned. I did a great job with that.
4: BK, you should stick to things you could win, like Sudoku and maybe Tiddlywinks.
3: Tough, uh, I mean, but fair. <laughs>
4: technically, that should, that text should say BK and Ferrario. You should stick to things you could win, like Sudoku and Tiddlywinks.
3: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Don't you guys golf at all? I yeah. do not. And I'm awful at that, too. I I do not I stick to what I'm good at and some of you would say I'm not even all that great at those things so <laughs> look look if we ever play a five-on-five
4: basketball fast lane versus the Rizzuto show I feel confident in my ability there That's I it. would
3: say that I'm I would help out our team in flag football but last time we played a flag football event I busted my lip open and ended up in the hospital getting stitches But so. did you score? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was fine, okay. but it, well, fine, I then. ended up having to leave and I busted my lip open yeah. and still have a scarf. Okay, from it, this so is what we needed what right here. Do you want me to
4: Guys, do? cheer up. You battled the whole time and never quit. Am I disappointed?
3: Yes, but not concerned. Appreciate that, 314. That's what we're here for. I appreciate that. 65780 is the air comfort service tax on questions and answers.
7: You've got questions, we may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's VK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN.
3: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Katie Wu, Cardinals Insider for the Athletic, joining us coming up here in just about 5 minutes or so. Let's start with this one from the 314. Hey guys, don't you think it would have been smart knowing that you were going to be in a home run derby to go out and practice beforehand? My guess is that if you were playing for a while, you would have done a little bit better.
4: I did practice.
3: As did I. I, I went, went s-
4: out Wednesday and Thursday, and I was hitting them well.
3: Well, I, I can't say that part. Like you said you <laughs> were, Carrie even said you did a pretty good job. It looked very similar to what I did on Saturday night. I made contact. I did not hit anything in the air. I went out to the batting cages, because when Brandon Moss said, basically... Yeah, I think you're going to want to go take a few swings on Friday. I was like, oh, okay, I should probably go the Major League says that
4: assessment. maybe we should get out there.
3: So I went out to the batting cages on Friday night and have multiple blisters as a result. But went out to the batting cages spent like 15 20 minutes in the cages made some contacts like all right i, I feel fine about this so i did practice it i just wasn't gonna be
4: good. From the 314 you guys gave it a great effort but i won't be asking alex to play in my beer league the next time look frankly that is very understandable i have my own beer league i'm in and my teammates didn't even want me to show up for how bad i was at
3: that home run derby from the 636 guys if the 101 espn crew went head-to-head with random listeners who do you think would hit more home runs depends if you get random listeners that can't do softball then we probably win well it also depends which 101 espn crew members are you talking yeah, about don't ask us to be a part of it i feel like if you got the actual fast lane crew going up against oh, listeners they would have won they would kick serious ass they would have won if you got our show we would do horribly and you guys would beat the hell out of us i have no idea on the morning show i have no clue i i mean i i couldn't even. Guess what they would do for our performance earlier today. Randy's so I would hope critical of us an awful lot. I would hope that Randy would go out there and just hit bombs all night long, otherwise, that would seem a little hypocritical to me. But if, if he's gonna are be doing calling that, out our morning show? show, are we doing a three no, verse three? No, I just said we can't do this. Are we a three verse three the morning show here? I'm just saying if the morning show is and Michelle was very nice. This is not hey, including Michelle, Michelle pumped us up the
4: entire time. Absolutely.
3: This is specifically on Randy. If Randy's going to call us out, I would hope he's very good at softball. That's all I'm saying. I just, I think that's fair. My ego is shot. Somebody said your time in the batting cages was your hot streak. If that was my hot streak, we've got some serious. <laughs> that was the hot streak. I probably issues. shouldn't have even been in the home run derby for that one. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tech line from the six one eight guys. Why does it seem like one hundred one ESPN is constantly losing both sports picking and athletic competitions to a music show? Listening to you guys uh talk sports is like the blind leading the blind. again
4: it's these guys aren't just music i mean these guys are very athletic Playful from the more or from the riz show tony patrico is an unbelievable guys, home run hitter. king scott had a banged up wrist and he went up there and hit six of them
3: that makes me sound worse don't say that
4: hey moon moon was sitting here the entire time going like yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a musician it's like a, you know blah 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 uh, this won't be this won't be pretty and then my man just went up there and just Ken Griffey Jr. stroked the balls into the center field. He did just what? Just stroked those home runs into left field. Not what you said the first he time. He stroked them, yeah. Home run balls. balls. That's what I meant.
3: I think you said he stroked the balls.
4: Yeah, the home run balls. That's a, I mean, that's what he did. It was a clean stroke off okay. the ball into the, into the fans.
3: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X-Line from the 636. Guys, I'm an ordinary listener, and I'll hit a home run from... Home plate and slow pitch well, softball. Yeah, I'll hit from home plate hey, and slow pitch softball too. It ain't going anywhere. Good for you. Yeah. We, we've all got our skills. <laughs> More power to
4: Look, you. You can I make fun of, of mine. Can make <laughs>
3: fun of us all you want. We, we've already addressed the issue in the room. We're terrible. Hey, I beat you guys to the joke. I told you ahead of time what to expect, hey, and I hope you knew exactly what to expect when I went to that plate. Was, I was
4: never going to be a home run hitter. Solely contact, and the contact was dis- that disappeared in that home run derby.
3: Somebody said, I'm sure Randy could hit more home runs than you guys, and he's 40 years older. Touche. Rightfully hey, so. That's that's totally fair. I mean,
4: I'm not saying he couldn't. Spent a majority of my uh, peak athletic career standing in front of a microphone rather than even practicing because yes. I was just terrible.
3: Those who can't do, talk about it on the radio. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get into a game of In or Out. 65780 is your comfort service tax line for In or Out. But coming up next, Katie Wu is going to solve all the problems for the Cardinals. She joins us next on 101 ESPN in a home run derby. I have no idea. I know Randy was very... Cr- He's Alex Ferrario, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're still reeling after what was a rough weekend for the two of us. I'm not sure who had a worse weekend, us or the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, us. Because the Cardinals gave it a valiant effort. At least they hit some home runs. We were beyond second base and couldn't quite hit it out of the park. And right now, I really
4: wish you wouldn't have told Katie Wu that (laughs)
3: we're going out to the Brown and Griffin celebrity line to be joined by the Cardinals insider for the athletic. She is Katie Wu. Katie. We appreciate the time. As always, if you were standing on second base, how many home runs do you think you would be able to hit?
0: Oh, I would like to say I could get one out but um, I don't know my back hurts just going up stairs at this point so maybe not the best person to ask
4: That's all right Katie both both BK and I right now uh, our entire bodies hurt from those um, uh, 3 I minutes aches <laughs> in places that I didn't yeah. even know had muscles and my ego is just shot Katie I was like you I said I could at least put one over and I missed the ball nine straight times so it's just uh it's one of those performances you just don't want
3: to remember
0: Hey, that's the worst part is recovering from the ego, right? Like, I'll, I'll put I'll, – I'm okay if I'm sore or tired, but if my pride can't recover, just count me out. Yeah,
3: yeah well, we're, we're we're reeling when it comes to our bodies. Our egos are hurt, and we're feeling a little bit like the Cardinals right now after what was a rough weekend for them. Katie, what, what do we even take out of that? I know that the team is beat up right now injury-wise. What am I supposed to make of the fact that they lost four straight against uh, the Cincinnati Reds at home for the first time in 30 years?
0: Okay, well, let's let's start the segment off, and I think everyone could use this, by taking a collective deep breath. That was, yeah, inhale, exhale. Okay, let's focus. That was, you know, no denying, not a very pretty week of baseball. That was a, a grueling stretch to watch, and not just from the results of the game, but from the state of the roster. I mean, losing three-fifths of your rotation in two and a half weeks, not even counting the other seven players that are on the injured list right now, a really tough road trip schedule, no days off, and just morale looked a little low over the weekend. And I am by no means saying that people should not be concerned, but I also think that we have to remember this is a 162-game season, and I'm not sure if this 58-game season last year has where everything was magnified by at least three times has kind of shifted the weight off of that, every single team, every single of the 30 Major League Baseball teams is going to go through a stretch this year where they do not play well. For the Cardinals to be doing this right now in June, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like, yes, there is plenty to be concerned about here when it comes to the state of the rotation and the state of pitching. However, it's an overreaction, and this is coming from someone who is a career overreactor. <laughs> the overreaction is here that the Cardinals are you know, out of the division, such a failure this year. They're going to lose. What's going on with the front office? This is a waste. That's an overreaction. An appropriate reaction is are the starting pitching is really lacking. There doesn't seem to be any viable options in-house. And it's a tough time to go outside of the team and outside of the organization to find some help. So what can they do? And I think that's the biggest question. It's not necessarily the overall record of the road trip or the sweep at home against Cincinnati. It's the current biggest problem is how can they solve the pitching? Well, let's
4: continue with that, Katie, because uh, we heard Michael Gersh talk yesterday about how other teams can smell that desperation from a team that needs to make a trade to help their injury situation. And it doesn't seem likely the Cardinals can go acquire a Max Scherzer right now. And the flip side of that, it doesn't really seem like other teams are just begging to trade away pitching for how many injuries are taking place. So where do the Cardinals go from here?
0: Isn't that the million-dollar question? Yeah, I mean their their hands are are really tied here, and we talked about this last week before Kim went down. You know, and again, the Cardinals—we've heard this before, but I'll, I'll restate it because it's what's been said. The Cardinals are optimistic that KK will miss more than the minimum okay. amount of time. Whether or not you want to believe that, that's on you. But that's what we've been told. So there, again, there doesn't seem to be a lot of sense. It's early June. Teams doing front offices are smart. Like, I know that everyone likes to think that the front office is just sitting around and all 30 teams is <laughs> doing nothing. These guys are very smart, okay? And they can absolutely sense the desperation because there's no way around it. The Cardinals are in a desperate situation for starting pitching. So, does it make sense to blow out on a, a trade to stop the bleeding in June when you could essentially wait four weeks? and see what kind of options pan out in a division where nobody is going to run away with the crown here. They're not going to run away with it in the first half of the season. They're not going to in July. They're not going to in August. We've known all this time it's going to come down to the last two weeks of the season for this division. So So instead of panicking, right, they're taking their time and exploring each avenue, and a little bit of patience is required here because of all the things we've already talked about, right? Like, it's not the answer that anybody wants to hear, but the truth is, over the next couple weeks, patience will be required as the Cardinals kind of wade their way through what is a really hard situation.
3: How much do the two off days this week help them, Katie?
0: Immensely. I mean, they only have four starters. Um, (laughs) And not only, (laughs) right, like... Oh, my gosh, they need they need two off days, especially before the Cubs series.
4: <laughs> well, and then when you talk about the position players, Katie, I mean, look, offensively, it's been a down stretch for Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, and that's crazy to say because both of them still are contributing. I think Arenado just picked up his 40th RBI yesterday in that game. How much is this team missing Harrison Bader and Paul DeYoung? And, and that's saying when Edmundo Sosa has been playing very well for the team.
0: You know, that's a good point. I think with Nolan and, and Paul, it's honestly kind of, I, I, I don't want to say funny, but it's enlightening that when they aren't performing at their best, they're still among league leaders, um, and I think that's just a testament to how good they can be. Nolan certainly looks like he's coming out of his little slump here, went four for four yesterday, reached base all five times, a couple of real timely hits, Goldie too. Um, but I think with Bader coming back, it allows... I know Justin Williams is on the, the injured list. Lane Thomas seems to look lost. Bader coming back will slot Carlson back to right. We can Tommy but can go back to second base. And when DeYoung comes back, which could be as early as Chicago, the Chicago series on Friday, if not sooner, there is finally some some depth there because Sosa has been so electric on both sides of the ball. I can't fathom how they could take him out of the lineup every day. So finally... With Young coming back, the Cardinals will have a good problem to have with their depth, then they have too many players, Hmm. right? And they have too many positions in the infield to fit everybody. And I think that will really help. I mean, Young, there's obviously, you know, when he went down, he wasn't performing at the levels that he would have liked or the team would have liked. But sometimes that's what guys need. They need to come back and refresh themselves. We saw that with Bader when he came back. So... Again, it's like the perfect storm right now where nothing seems to be going right. But these guys are slated to come back soon. I would expect the DeYoung Friday at the absolute latest, you know, barring everything goes okay during his rehab assignment in Memphis. And then I think it'll be interesting because it'll give the Cardinals a little bit of flexibility. They can have two middle infielders Indy Young and Sosa, and they can move Edmund to right and just kind of fill the blanks for now.
3: Katie Wu is our guest. You can find her work over at the Athletic. She wrote over the weekend recapping this 17-game stretch where the team stands right now. She also reacted to all of the pitching injuries. You should definitely get a subscription over there at the Athletic. It's well worth the price. And you can follow Katie on Twitter as well, at Katie Wu. You might have just answered this, Katie, but when when we see Paul DeYoung return, because it sounds like it might be a little longer than expected for Bader do you think it's as simple as they move Edmundo Sosa over to second and you put Tommy Edmund in right until Bader gets back?
0: Um, I, I would imagine we see some variation of that consistently, but a lot of it will depend on the matchups. as we know. Mike Schultz likes to play the matchups and, and that makes sense. Um, I would expect Young to go back to starting at shortstop, but if he cannot contribute at the way Sosa was, then I think maybe even a platoon option. Here's the thing about Tommy Edmond is that he's so good at second base that they really can't afford him to move there. Um, But they... Need some help in the outfield because it's very clear that, you know, especially with Justin Williams down, I mean, Jose Rondon's not an outfielder. He's played maybe three, four games coming into the season in the outfield, so they're kind of stretched thin there. It would make the most sense to move Edmund to right, kind of like we saw earlier in the season, a little bit more consistently. But, again, it will be nice to have the options for once instead of just the stopgap, maybe he can play here, throw him out here, maybe this works. Finally, the Cardinals, again, will have the ability to be a little flexible with their position players in the infield.
4: Katie, how big are these off days for the bullpen? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, we all can agree that that this bullpen has been overused up to this point of the season because of all of the injuries. But on top of it, the last couple of games, the bullpen actually looked better than what it had at the beginning of this 17-game stretch.
0: I'm glad you brought up the bullpen because they did look very, especially in the Red series, it was a little ironic. The Cardinals played some really good baseball On All of the big elements, you know, like defensively, they made one error all serious. The bullpen was really good. So that's huge for them, too, because these off days, I mean, look, it was very clear. Everybody needed an off day today, um, including, you know, the writers who were pretty tired, too, um, because that really matters. But still, (laughs) Um, and and that's huge. It's huge for the bullpen because they're going to need to step up with the rotation so thin. Like I mentioned, they are four starters. Uh, they're going to have to eat some innings here. The Cardinals aren't going to win any 2-0 shutouts over the next couple of weeks. I mean, Adam Waymart may have something to say about that, but, you know, if we're being realistic... They're not going to win very many one-run, two-run low-scoring ballgames. That's why their offense is so important, and they're going to have to score a decent amount of runs each game. And the bullpen's going to have to be prepared to take over in the middle innings, like again that we saw in the beginning of the season. So these off days where they can be rested and they don't have to worry about playing 17 games straight, that's going to be really impactful on how this team configures how they're going to win games until some starting pitching can come back all
3: right last question for you katie we'll end on a positive note because tyler o'neill has been spectacular since returning from the injured list in the 11 games since his return he has 10 extra base hits his ops is over 1100 i I think we asked you about this last week but we got to do it again what have you made of tyler o'neill's resurgence so far over the last couple of weeks
0: Resurgence is a fantastic word for Tyler O'Neill. It's at the point now where I'm not even surprised to be. It's a home run. Like if I am, let's say I have the game off or something, and I and I get an alert that it's a home run, I don't have to even check. I just <laughs> know it's Tyler O'Neill, <laughs> and that's a that's a really positive development, obviously for so many reasons. But what it does is it creates the lineup. It it moves it to be even longer because before. You know your top four in Edmund Carlson, Goldie Arenado, they were contributing, and then it tapered off dramatically after that. And you, uh, Yachty has been good in that spot when healthy, but six, seven, eight—that was a big black hole. And what Tyler has been able to do is get some fluidity throughout that lineup because now it's a viable threat all, all the way down, you know, and hopefully when they get some more guys back, it will continue all the way down to eight. But now it's one through six is a really lethal threat there. And uh, when you have guys like Arnado and Goldie you, and Tyler O'Neill coming up, it's like, who do you pitch to? Because they can all hit. So, again, it goes back to what we just talked about. When the offense needs to really step up because the starting pitching is so thin, Tyler O'Neill's role here is, mag- is magnetized even more. So, the fact that he's seeing the ball well, that I'm, I can't tell if he's still doing that interlocked grip. I wouldn't change it. It seems to be working really well. Um just, again, positive development all the way around, and it will really come into play with the offense. You need to step up so, so big here.
3: Well, Katie, enjoy your well-deserved off day. We appreciate you hopping on with us today. People can read your work over at The Athletic. They should give you a follow on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. All the best this week, and we'll talk with you again next week.
0: Thanks, fellas. Sounds good. You, Absolutely. Katie.
3: That's Katie Wu joining us here on 101 ESPN. To her point there about the lineup, the depth that they have created, I feel like yesterday in the sixth inning that – that it blow up inning basically for the Cardinals. That was what you saw. Arenado starts thing off things off with a single. You've got Tyler O'Neill with a Homer in that mm-hmm. inning. And then you go back over to the top of the lineup. You've got Edmund on an infield single Carlson walking goldie lining into a double play. That ain't great, but then arenado single and you've kind of come back across the back end of that lineup again. That is the depth that the Cardinals lineup had not had in previous years that they do seem to be starting to get this season When you get Yadier Molina back healthy, when you get Paul DeYoung back healthy and hopefully improved at the plate with a little bit more confidence, and hopefully eventually you get Harrison Bader back there as well after he had started to perform really well at the plate, this lineup looks fine. Mm -hmm. I don't have, it's really surprising to me that we're at this point in the season, my questions about the Cardinals are much less about the position player side. I thought we were going to be talking about an outfielder that they had to acquire, I'm not there at all. Right. It's all about the pitching. It's yep. all the the success or failures of this 2021 season for the Cardinals will come down to whether or not the pitching is able to keep up throughout the rest and of I the think season. it
4: comes down to the front office success this season is going to come down to if the front office can pull off a move to help yeah. the pitching because if they can't then that's going to be that might
3: be on them of not being able to pull off a move because of all of these injuries it's 12 20 your time check brought to you by Clarkson jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler coming up next 65780 is the air comfort service tax line let's play a game of in or out including in or out Julio Jones makes the Titans the biggest threats to the Chiefs in the AFC we'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN
2: Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's In or Out with BK and Ferrario.
3: 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for In or Out. Let's start with this one, Alex. In or Out, after the Titans traded yesterday for Julio Jones, they are now the biggest threats to the Chiefs to win the AFC. Out.
4: You can improve your offense as much as you want, but if your defense still sucks, how can you compete with that? I mean, look, and the Chiefs defense isn't any better, right? Like, the Chiefs beat defense struggles. I still personally believe the toughest competition for Kansas City is going to be Buffalo. And Buffalo didn't improve much. They just kind of stuck with the same core. But that's a group of guys that you could tell they were hungry for it last year. I wouldn't put my money against Buffalo. Now, I think Tennessee rises. I think Tennessee is the clear-cut favorite in the AFC South. I'd put them right behind Buffalo. I probably would have Cleveland behind Buffalo and then Tennessee. But, no, I'm out on that. I don't think they're the clear competitors with Kansas City.
3: Marty Jenkins is filling in this week for Tanner Hendrickson. He's out on a much-deserved vacation. Marty, you in or out on Julio Jones making the Titans the biggest threat to the Chiefs?
1: Um, I still think it's going to be the Bills. I mean, with Allen and his weapons, I-, I just think Tennessee, you know, that's a great move for them, but it doesn't put them over Buffalo. They were 13-3 and three last year, I think, Buffalo. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I got to go and Buffalo. Stephon
4: Diggs stood on the field and watched them celebrate. Like, if you, you, you can't tell me that
3: that guy is not going to be ticked off this year. The AFC is going to be fascinating this year. Because I, I think you guys are right. Buffalo is certainly right up there. I would not be surprised if the Dolphins, if they get more out of Tua this year, they could take a jump and be in that same category. Baltimore, Cleveland out of the AFC North. And Indianapolis, I just don't know. If Carson Wentz takes that step back to where he was a couple of years ago, they're a legitimate threat in the AFC as well to the Titans in the AFC South. So there's like six teams, and I didn't even mention the Chargers, who we'll see, Yeah, that are really interesting in that second tier right now
1: i don't think there's any title contenders in the afc north but i think that's the most intriguing division i agree
4: especially with a healthy joe burrow with his new weapon that's not going to keep him on his feet but cleveland's the clear cut favorite and then you just never know with pittsburgh and
1: baltimore do they have one more run in them big ben no i don't think so
3: big ben's got one more game offensive line just stinks man it's terrible, and they didn't do anything to fix it this offseason. So I've got questions well, on about the Cincinnati them. Bengals strategy, eh? Yeah, they're basically Cincinnati going a little further. Just with east. an older quarterback. Yeah. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for in or out. I'm curious about your guys' thoughts on this. In or out, the new NFL market inefficiency is trading draft picks for proven stars. So what I mean by this is if you're a team that is kind of on the cusp, right? It makes more sense for you to trade those draft picks for the proven stars as opposed to holding them hoarding them the way that we have over the years deandre hopkins was traded for a second round pick we just saw julio jones get traded for a second round pick as well you're not finding those guys in the second round you they go top 10. in or out the new nfl market inefficiency is trading picks for proven stars in I, I mean you're right if you're
4: tennessee you figure you're gonna draft in what the bottom 10 bottom 12 this upcoming draft to to trade that pick which i guess that's the second round pick which is surprising in itself but look julio is a little bit older but that's not going to be helpful for you i mean you have to hit gold with that pick whereas if you go get julio change of scenery guy who might get kind of a a second life going to a team that's competing for a super bowl you're going to get at least two three maybe great years out of him if he stays healthy so I'm in on this. This is the new— and Just like we're seeing quarterbacks want out of their situation and if they're not doing what they want them to do, it's left picks for former talented receivers that are going to go out there and prove it once again.
3: I'm in on this. If I'm an NFL team, I'm making all of the calls on all of the guys that are disgruntled stars. And it's amazing to me that there weren't more teams interested uh, in— julio jones according to a lot of the reports that are coming out here now as kind of the postmortem on the trade there was almost nobody interested in giving up a second round pick for julio what are we doing julio jones is a superstar he's one of the five to seven best wide receivers in the nfl if you are a competitive competing team like where were the bills on this why weren't they interested in this if you could find a way to make the money work this is a guy you absolutely could trade a second round pick for. Yeah. I think the Chiefs messed up by not going out and making this deal. If you're we've talked about the Bills, the Browns, Titans, all these different teams in the AFC that if things break right, they can absolutely beat the Chiefs. Why not go out and make this move? Make that gap a little wider. Give yourself a little bit more margin for error. Yeah. There were a lot of teams that would have made sense for Julio. I don't think they were gonna ever trade him to the NFC. If you're an AFC team. And your team didn't inquire about him. I think that you might have some questions to ask. And about I saw the
4: chiefs talking. Are they a lot of the conversation around the chiefs was they talked about how cash wise it wasn't possible. Salary cap wise it was possible. Or am yeah.
3: I flipping those? No, that's correct. So apparently there's a difference. Cap is all accounting. Cash is what you're actually spending cash flow wise with your team. And they didn't want to give julio the 15 million dollars that he was well, due way year. to go
4: patrick mahomes should have just forked over 15 mil
3: <laughs> 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for in or out last one for you guys in or out if you were starting an nba team today and we had the number one overall pick for our team it's fantasy style right you're nba 2k you're doing the fantasy draft if you could start with any one player with the first pick you would take luca Luka Doncic would be the number one overall pick if
1: you were redrafting the NBA right now, in or out. I think that's a no-brainer, um, but some people may say, look at how young Luka is. I mean, I think, and I don't think this is premature. He's going to surpass all uh, NBA scoring
6: records. It's possible. I think he's going to have the most points. Yeah. Ever. Just
3: averaged 36 points per game against the
1: Clippers. 36 points per game. That's insane. Yeah. And I really think when you look at age, you know, um, I think a distance second, even though I love him, is I would take Zion second. Yeah. Really? Oh, You would take Zion over, over Giannis? Yeah, because of age. Okay. Is he Giannis like 25? Uh, I think he's like maybe 26, 27 now, but, you know, Zion's, what, 22? Yeah.
4: yeah. Man, I'm trying to think, too, like, Trey Young. I, I, I don't know if people have been watching this guy. <laughs> amazing. This dude reminds me of Steph Curry in his prime. Like, this, I mean, he is just dropping it like it's hot out there. Never say that again.
3: Never say that again. That sounded
4: like (laughs) the most dad thing I think I could have ever said, but it felt good. Um, The other one, too, maybe this is the St. Louis side, but Jason Tatum i love yeah. the way he plays and i know he hasn't done much but i think that's more team construction than
3: anything he's in the conversation for me like top 15 I, he wouldn't be up here with these guys that we're talking i think these these players man, are in I a different class for me like Jason. Jokic, i would have above him as well it,
4: joel Embiid, i think i would always have yeah. up there even with the injury situation but man i, I think i would be in on donchich but trey young for me is a close second
1: and, and people criticize the hawks that
4: was
3: a straight up trade
4: yep. yeah
1: but genius not far behind him yeah the one that
3: messed that up was the kings they took marvin bagley yeah how'd that work out for him is playing his way off of the roster here pretty soon over luka i'm in luka to me proved everything he needed to in that series against the clippers i know his team lost his team's not very good i mean you look at the roster they've got some decent role players but they made the big trade to go out and get Porzingis, and he stunk in this series. Yeah. He couldn't play. That was a rough trade for so them. So you've got 36-10-8 from Luka Doncic, which is as good as any LeBron series you'll see at any point in his career. And he did it against one of the most talented rosters in the league. So uh, I'm all I'm all the way in on Luka Doncic. He is the next face of the league over the next decade.
1: Uh, yeah, years down the road, he's going to be in the GOAT conversation. Real quick, you mentioned Bagley and the Kings. Uh, a young stud who just gets overlooked out there is De'Aaron Fox. It's,
3: Outstanding. Yep. I absolutely. I love De'Aaron Fox. Um, he's just in a terrible, terrible situation. Sacramento's he, always in a terrible situation. They're yeah, never they're good. a nightmare with Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We will dive into the junk drawer coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, we got to give more credit where credit is due. Tyler O'Neill has been outstanding since he returned from the injured list. What is he doing now? Where is our belief level in what he is? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN.
2: O'Neill, high drive into deep center field at the wall. Gone, a long home run, Tyler O'Neill.
4: It's been fun to watch, and I just think the energy he's bringing to our club is uh, is something
3: that we're we're all benefiting from.
2: Hit down to the left field line. O'Neill is over, sliding forward, and he caught it. Oh, my goodness, what a play by Tyler O'Neill! One of the best catches
4: you'll see this season. You know, when I look back at, at, at where he's at, I feel like he's a different player than he was a year ago. And um, I think it's great to see.
3: Tyler O'Neill is becoming the player Car- the Cardinals thought he was going to be when they traded for him. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario. Alex, it's amazing what he's doing right now, both at the play and in the field, and frankly, as a base runner as well. He's an all around guy for the Cardinals. I looked this up among outfielders right now in Major League Baseball that have at least 150 plate appearances a plate appearances, which is right where Tyler O'Neill's at. He's third in slugging percentage. Wow. He is ninth in OPS plus. He's been one of the most productive outfielders in the sport this year. And the biggest question that we had about the Cardinals, at least for me coming into the season was what's the production going to be like for them in left field? I feel like we've been scouting outfielders for like three years yeah. to find out, hey, who could the Cardinals trade for that would fix that left field situation? And all along, the guy that was going to do it appears to have been on the roster staring at us in plain sight. It's Tyler O'Neal. This is the guy that they've been missing. It was the uh, cliche rom-com,
4: right? He's just That's standing right. in front of you the whole time and you just never noticed it. Look, he's he's already surpassed his career at-bats at the major league level. Like he's got 144 right now. And the closest he was for a to a single it, season. Yeah. yeah. For a single season. He's, he was at 141, two years ago. That for me was a part that it was so uncertain. Like this was a guy who was always injured. And when he struggled, he just was taken out of the lineup. This was the year where, and I forgot who we were talking to, but they talked about last week, not having that guy where you're looking over your shoulder, wondering when you're getting get taken out of the lineup. Adam Wainwright mentioned that in the post game. That was Tyler O'Neill. Because you're always wondering, okay, well, Dexter Fowler's going to get back into the lineup, or Harrison Bader's going to get back. When's Dylan Carlson getting called up? When you're Tyler O'Neill, you never get that opportunity. And then an injury hits, the next no, you've been Wally pipped. Now he's got the runway. Now it's, Tyler, you are the savior here. We've traded away Dexter Fowler. Bader's in and out of the lineup. There's no more bench players that are going to take the job away from you. That's where we're seeing him flourish. And this isn't like a fluky thing where he's doing it in a couple of games. It's a weak stretch and like, oh, well, let me see what he looks like in a whole season. He's been doing this all year since he's been healthy. He has not had a stretch where it's been like, oh, that's the Tyler O'Neill we know where he's striking out 24-7. Striking out a lot, but he's also hitting home runs. Look yeah, you at, can live with the strikeout. Look at his OPS plus, like you mentioned. you got 154 right now. The total bases this guy has, he's grounded into three double plays. Last year, every outfielder that played, it felt like when he came to the plate, you were looking at a double play. Tyler O'Neal's not doing that right now.
3: It's amazing, and if you're just looking at what he is as a player right now, he's what he was as a rookie. The first time that we saw Tyler O'Neill was 2018, and he played 60 games that year. And in those 60 games, he had basically the same number of plate appearances, so he was a part-time player as he has this season. He struck out a ton. He never walked. But when he made contact, it was really hard contacts. He finished that year with nine home runs and 23 RBI. That's the guy we're watching right now. We're watching him revert to the player that he once was when he first got up to the big leagues. He tried to make adjustments over the last two years. He started walking more. He started striking out a little bit less. But the problem was with that trade-off came less power. And the power is what makes him a valuable major leaguer. If you're not going to hit for power and you're still striking out 30% of the time, which is where he was the last two years, you're not valuable. Mm -hmm. You don't bring enough to the table to be able to overcome those strikeouts and the lack of walks. But now, when you are hitting it consistently as hard as he is, and there is basically nobody in the sport hitting it with the barrel more often than Tyler O'Neill. when you're doing that, well, everything else becomes worth it. I can live with you striking out at the plate, even yesterday, when you're coming up in the bottom of the ninth with runners on second and third, and that's a spot where you've got to bring those guys home down by one run. He didn't do it. And that's just something you gotta live with because you were also in that spot. You had an opportunity to come back because of Tyler O'Neal's performance earlier in the game. I can live with his strikeouts right now because he's also contributing in other ways.
4: What Tyler O'Neill doing right is doing right now for me. Is setting the Cardinals up to not have to worry about their outfield next season.
3: Oh, absolutely. Like uh, for me, Tyler Hell, o- for the next like four years. Yeah. Well, Tyler
4: O'Neill was the missing piece because you always you already knew what you were getting from Harrison Bader. If he got better than what he was offensively, then that's a plus. But you know that the defense is going to fix things, and we have learned that now that you need his defensive style in the outfield. But Tyler O'Neill was always the what if. What if you get a power bat? What if he turns into an everyday player for you? Well, then you could focus on other areas of your roster that need to be improved. And Tyler O'Neill's doing that right now. If I'm John Mose, like I'm looking at this saying, I don't need to worry about offense from the outfield anymore because Tyler O'Neill's the guy. I'm going to be watching this season to find out if he can stay healthy and be an everyday player and get 120 games in. But overall, now I can focus on, okay, what's going to happen at shortstop? What's gonna happen when Yachty's gone? How do we improve our pitching? Because that's the glaring hole. Tyler O'Neill has fixed the leak in the in the bucket by his play this year, where coming into the season, you weren't
3: sure if that leak was gonna explode and break the bucket. The other thing he's done is he's he's lengthened your lineup. So we talked about this a little bit with Katie. If you missed our conversation with her, check it out on the podcast page after the show today, 101espn.com and the free 101 ESPN app. It's presented by I Promise. What he does is right now you feel really good about Tommy Edmund leading off. You love Dylan Carlson batting second, 3-4 with Goldie Arenado. We knew coming into the season that would be good, and it has been. Goldie needs to get things going a little bit more, but it feels like he's probably getting to that stretch. Yachty has been everything the Cardinals could have asked for as a five-hole hitter and then some. And now you've got Tyler O'Neal batting sixth for you. When Paul DeYoung gets back, he should bat seventh. Mm -hmm. He should not be batting in front of Yachty or Tyler O'Neal. He doesn't deserve it based on his performance so far this year. And it allows you to ease him in a little bit. And then when Harrison Bader gets back, he is the ideal eighth hole hitter. He's a guy that's going to get walked a little bit more intentionally. That's where his walk rate has spiked this year because he's batting eighth and he's right before that pitcher spot. But when he gets on, he's a threat on the bases. So, Mm -hmm. This lineup now makes sense from top to bottom. And this is what, when I said I had confidence in what the Cardinals were doing, or at least was intrigued by what they were doing offensively, this is what I was hoping that I would envision midway through the year. The problem is, it also means that it's calm at the expense of the pitching. You don't have any depth right now, pitching-wise. And so what the offense is going to have to do over the next few weeks at a minimum, they've got to start carrying you. When Paul DeYoung gets back, he's got to be a guy that contributes from the bottom half of the order the way that we've seen Tyler O'Neill contribute on the bottom half. That That's what they're going to need from him.
4: And I don't know how long that leash is for Paul DeYoung anymore because of the performance of Edmundo Sosa. I mean, we talked about it with Katie Wu, and I do believe Paul DeYoung goes back in when he is healthy, but I don't think it's the, hey, you know, play. 30 games before you get a day off. It's if you start to struggle, we might go right back to Edmundo Sosa, which I think might put some pressure on Paul DeYoung, which could help.
3: I'm fascinated to see what that looks like because I think it's going to be a minute for Harrison Bader, but when he returns, that's when the questions really start coming. But before then for Paul DeYoung, when he returns this week, it sounds like Friday potentially is the yeah, date that they're kind of targeting. He had a big, he had a W, it was either last night or the night before. And in then Memphis. he scored a run yeah. as well. So he's he's looking good down there, it sounds like. And when he returns, he'll probably start every day at short. You'll probably see, I would guess, Edmundo Sosa going over to second. And then you kick Tommy Edmond to right field. That's not your best defensive alignment, but... They don't have a better option right now in right field than Tommy Edmond. Yeah. You'd rather have Edmundo Sosa out there every day than Rondone or whoever else you're yeah. throwing out in right field. Yeah, you got to get those guys. You got to get the
4: the weak links out of it right now. And unfortunately, Rondone, Williams, Thomas, those are bench bats. For and you. I think
3: that's an open competition then. When Paul DeYoung returns and it's DeYoung at second or DeYoung at short and Sosa at second, let's see how those guys perform. And whenever Harrison Bader gets back, whoever's performing better at that point gets the shortstop job for a little while. Yeah. And there's going to be some time off for whoever it is, but that's that's the way that I would approach it.
4: Real real quick from the 314, this asks a good question. Realistically, guys, take off your homer hat, put aside the bias. Your thought is this lineup, when fully healthy, are they a World Series contending lineup? I would say no
3: because of the inconsistency that we've seen. So let me let me put it this way. Can this lineup, as is currently constructed, win a World Series? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can this lineup, as is currently constructed, win a a World Series with this pitching staff? No. You're going to need the pitching staff to get healthy, first of all. You need Flaherty and KK and Michaelis back for sure. And you're also going to need a new addition. It is not up there with the Dodgers or the Padres but it is much closer than it was a year ago. You have bridged that gap enough to where if your pitching steps up a little bit, I do think that it is something it, they, they can compete with the best of the yeah, best. Yeah, I the think I they,
4: they got to rid themselves of the inconsistency at the plate. But I also think when fully healthy, those inconsistencies go away a little bit
3: with Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kylie. coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Bradford Doolittle is an MLB rider for ESPN.com. We'll ask him what to make of this division because the Cubs, I thought there were going to be sellers at the deadline. It looks like I'm going to be proven wrong on that. We'll ask Brad Doolittle about that coming up in 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. with alex ferrario and marty jenkins i'm brandon Kylie. it's time to dive into the junk drawer we will be joined by bradford doolittle of espn.com coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so hey by the way before we get into the junk drawer alex 101 espn has your chance to win a pair of lawn tickets to see Shine Down along with a bunch of other fantastic bands at this year's Point Fest. Point Fest on September nineteenth. Concerts are back. Thank Can't God. Wait. This will be at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater now through Friday. You can get lawn or select reserve seats for just nineteen ninety five plus fees for Point Fest, featuring Shine Down. Find all of the ticket info. And get entered to win for free tickets right now at 101ESPN.com and on the 101 ESPN mobile app. And, Alex, if that's not enough, if you don't, you know, 1995, that's not up your alley. You can come watch us do a home run derby again. Nope, we're not doing that. Okay. We are giving away a pair of tickets every day this week on bk and ferrario every show we'll have them for you it's us morning show afternoon show we've all got a pair for you but you should definitely listen to the midday show just call us Santa Claus. definitely be listening from 11 to 2 at the very minimum so at the end of the show today if you have listened throughout the day today we'll ask you a question if you listened you will be able to answer it and we'll take the sixth texter that gets the answer correct and you will win a pair of tickets to Point Fest. All right, Alex, let's dive into the junk drawer. What do you have for us today, my man? So
4: I was looking at, I love lists when they come out. It makes me always bring up some different topics. And this one popped up because my family falls into this category. Do you guys like board games? I do. When you get together, family functions, Marty, board game guy. Absolutely. Big sorry fan. Big Very sorry bad fan. at baseball. Not bad
1: at board okay. games. Okay. Now, <laughs>
4: when you play board games with family or friends, have they ever started into a audible or physical fight? no physical audible absolutely okay well there was a list of regular there was a list that came out of the game five games that start verbal or physical fights what do you think those games
3: are okay are we talking card game or board, Just board card games. games whichever it may be i would imagine there's got to be either poker or spades has to be on that nope. list wow re- okay that's surprising um monopoly yeah. has to be up <laughs> there number 1 sorry sorry's number two wow marty did you ever get into
4: a family fight from sorry uh not physically but okay verbally. that's uno? good
3: uno's number three feeling like this is family feud style right here i'm feeling really good where we're at we need four and five. Oh god what i'm else your man steve there. harvey marty what do you what do we got here what else so you what got three of the big ones i'm monopoly
4: trying to... uno sorry there's two more you guys like 10 more seconds so we don't waste any more time the game that
3: we play the most of is ticket to ride but i can't imagine that's up there on that list never heard
4: of that that's not a real thing shoots
3: and ladders no you
4: don't fight over (laughs) shoots and ladders
3: i'm just trying to think of things you play shoots and ladders with your grandma i understand i'm just saying it's a it's a common game all right so the other two jenga
4: oh that checks out and scrabble I'm surprised you guys didn't get Scrabble. Scrabble, okay. Like, uh, spell it. Like yeah. that always turns into yeah. a fight because you're basically sitting there going, "That's not a real word," and you get the deck dictionary out and then you find out it's a word. But for me, when I saw this
3: list, and surprised. Here, more card games aren't on there.
4: Yeah, I was a little bit too. Here are the defining things for it. So one in nine people said they've had a physical fight over these five games. The most common things that board games fight, someone quitting because they're losing and accusing someone else of cheating. 22% of us have banned or stopped inviting a specific person over for game night. One in eight people admit they're usually the ones who cause drama. (laughs) And 75% of the people say that they like game nights in general, but 41% specifically said that they really want to win.
1: Mono- only 41% I know, I know. really surprising that's because surprising. that should be 99% so I played sorry a lot growing up back in the day is that still like a popular game I mean- oh yeah <laughs>
4: apparently I, I mean wow. it was on this list and this was the top five of all of these games that caused fights uh from a uh the reason I brought this up though Monopoly is it's from the Ferrario household oh because of this because of this usually what happens is f-bombs start flying someone gets yelled at someone cries and someone says we hate you see that's trivia at our place
3: like oh, tri- yeah. trivia ends up going very poorly because somebody will get their feelings hurt. Typically me. Um, it goes Seems poorly. Right. I'm horrible at trivia. Awful at trivia. Bad at softball, bad at trivia. And it, it just doesn't. Someone said, what on. about
4: Pictionary? Pictionary. Um, I don't play Pictionary because I can't draw. Oh, same. Yeah. yeah. And then people are like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, it's a skateboard. And they're like, no, it's not. It's a circle. I just quit.
3: <laughs> All right. Last thing before we get into, uh, or before we talk with Bradford Doolittle of ESPN.com. The biggest story last night in sports was the fight between Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. I unfortunately watched this. Stupid. I did not pay for this, of course, because I'm not paying 50 bucks to get a pay-per-view in a fake fight. Well, how'd you watch it then, BK? I watched it on a stream. <laughs> Same way I did. <laughs> and so, along with like 90% <laughs> of the rest of the audience. Um After the fight, which was awful, by the way, it was a terrible fight between you don't say
4: a pro boxer against a YouTube star. It It was was not
3: entertaining in any way. It was exactly what I expected from Floyd Mayweather going in one of these exhibition fights. Floyd Mayweather got on the podium and admitted to everybody that the full thing was a fraud
6: comes to legalized bank robbing. I'm the best. (laughs) (laughs) I changed my name from pretty boy Floyd. When I changed to money Mayweather, I started making money.
3: He's not wrong. You He's know a, how much he made? I uh, made like a hundred million dollars. No,
4: it was five hundred million dollars. Five hundred off of that fight? Yeah. And uh, what's his face? 20, I, I, what I mean, did he make? Twenty? No, he made twenty-five k or two hundred fifty k. My God, that's an. He,
3: he made so much more than that off of the free advertising he got from his I YouTube get it. channel.
4: But but all that was, and, and this is why it was so frustrating. I didn't even watch it. And I'm a huge Mayweather fan. All this was was a glorified pump up for this Paul brother mayweather knew he was going to get paid he knew it didn't count against his record so he could have lost and it wouldn't have mattered this was all to pump up this guy which is just a joke to me they're sitting there trying to sell it that like logan paul went eight rounds with yeah. Floyd May- no he didn't mayweather didn't even freaking care so stupid mayweather and- did what he
1: always does this was exactly the type of fight you should have expected and like, canelo alvarez's tweet you know summed it up good he just had the emoji with your hand over your forehead just embarrassing just embarrassing like they're treating it like rocky balboa oh
4: he went nine rounds with
1: mayweather (laughs) mayweather was smiling
4: the
3: entire time because it was embarrassment of a fight i mean it wasn't real it was an exhibition there there was a actual statement inside of the um the fight or the rules for this fight that basically said there will be no winner crown for there was no judges like you were literally just fighting to fight yeah and make money. That's And they walked out
4: with an OnlyFans hat. It was incredible.
3: Honestly, good for them.
4: No, not good for them. Like, no, people
3: for
1: paid them. for it, and they're the suckers. If, I am you, if you
3: paid for that bet, you're a sucker. I Everybody knew so how dumb. that I was going to go.
1: So done with these Paul brothers. They were hugging ninety percent of the time. Yeah, it was terrible. It was so so done fun. with these Paul brothers.
3: With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up here in about fifteen minutes or so, there were three silver linings from a sweep of the Cardinals. We'll talk about them coming up in fifteen minutes. But coming up next, Bradford Doolittle writes for ESPN.com about ma- about Major League Baseball. He is also located in Chicago. What can he tell us about what's going on with the Cubs right now and how big of a threat they really are in the Central? We'll ask Brad Doolittle next on 101 ESPN next Alex Ferrario I'm Brandon Kylie. it's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN and right now we are going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line happy to be joined by Major League Baseball writer for ESPN.com he is Bradford Doolittle joining us here on the show Brad we always appreciate the time man how you doing today
6: Doing great. How are you guys doing?
3: We're doing all right. So I wanted to get your early, I guess not even early anymore, your impression of the Cardinals as we hit the 60-game mark in this season. Is this pretty much what you were expecting? I remember talking to you before the season, and it feels kind of like this would have been where you would have projected them.
6: Yeah, I guess if you do take a step back and just look at their record and how they performed against preseason expectations, Not only the Cardinals, but really the whole NL Central has kind of played out the way that it looked like. You know, they're a little over 500, and, you know, everything is still on the table for them. But, you know, like many teams around baseball, they got an avalanche of injuries to deal with. But they look like they're part of what is going to be at least a three and possibly four-team race that's going to, uh, you know, unfold gradually over the summer.
4: Bradford, you mentioned the injuries for the Cardinals, and they're really starting to mount up specifically on the pitching side when you look at Jack Flaherty, KK, who just went down in the bullpen that has just been decimated. And a lot of people in St. Louis are talking about a possible trade for John Mosellock. I just don't know teams that are out there willing to make moves in June. What do you think about a trade possibility for the Cardinals at this point?
6: Yeah, I just think right now the landscape is really tough to be able to pull off anything – that's going to get people (laughs) excited. You know, the Hmm. part of the problem is there are so many teams that are still um, not kind of in that middle class between not clearly a seller, not clearly a buyer. And so the teams that are clearly sellers, you know, the Orioles, the Tigers, teams like that, um, they have to kind of wait around and see how this market's going to develop. They're not going to, you would have to overwhelm a team with an offer, at this point, this early in the process, and that would mean moving a, you know, a a pretty high-level prospect of the sort that the Cardinals really have been reticent to move over the years, so, you know, I think right now, they're just kind of looking at trying to muddle through until they get healthier, hoping to, you know, they really need to stay active on the waiver wire, and, and then just Try to piece it together until everything comes back together. So
3: I guess here's a follow-up question on that for you, Brad. Like, If you're the Cardinals and the Texas Rangers answered the phone and they said, you know what, we, we're we interested in doing a deal now, but it's going to cost you a little bit more, and we'll give you Kyle Gibson. And I, I don't know what the package would look like because Gibson's had a really good year. Um, I believe he has one more year left on his deal, so it, it, it'd probably be pricey is it more valuable for the Cardinals given their injury situation right now to deal for a guy like that now than it would be to maybe wait to see if a guy like Max Scherzer, for example, would become available closer to the deadline?
6: Well, I mean, I would think that for the Cardinals, you would be willing to up the ante a little bit if you can swing a deal right now, because right now is when you have the need. Now, of course they have a better feel for what the real timeline is for a Flaherty or or for a a Mikolos. But um, if you're going to try, if if you're going to be able to bring in a a guy like Gibson, who is really on top of his game right now, then you're going to have to get into the top 10 of your prospect list. And that's, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of beyond where a lot of teams have been willing to go near the trade deadline now. So if you do it now, then you're talking about June, July, August, September, that's quite a bit of value that you can get out of that player. So maybe you can do that. Um, Whereas if you're waiting around for a guy like Scherzer, if that were to happen, that's probably not going to be until right at the trade deadline. And by then, the Cardinals may, may be on the verge of getting healthy with the rotation.
4: How competitive do you think that trade deadline is going to be this year? Because, of course, last year it was such a weird year. More teams got into the playoffs. But for how close divisions are, I mean, could this be even more competitive?
6: Yeah, you know, I don't know. It seems like more than ever, teams are really reticent at trading impact prospects, which means that the caliber of rental-type players that can really impact the pennant race um, just is never as exciting as you think it's going to be. You know, the, the rumor-to-reality to, to, to reality ratio is uh, pretty overwhelming on the side of rumor mm-hmm. these days. So, you know, I definitely see a lot of good players that should be moved in sort of a traditional deadline context. I keep focusing on John means of the Orioles as the kind of guy that could really help a contender over the last couple of months and is on a team that isn't going to win in the next couple of years and they need to, to sell high in him right now. But you know, the last couple of years there just haven't many been many deals at that level that have, I've gotten done. So we'll have to see, um, you know, with the, the draft timing of the draft changing this year, you know, a lot of people are talking about maybe there will be some earlier activity because teams ha- aren't completely invested with focusing the resources on the draft. So we'll see. Um, but right now, you know, it's expectations for excitement around the deadline, I the, the, the last few years have just conditioned me to, to think that's really not going to be what is the the tipping point for the season.
3: We're talking to Bradford Doolittle of ESPN.com here on 101 ESPN. Bradford, one of the teams that I got to be honest, before the season, I expected to be a seller once we got to the deadline was the Chicago Cubs. And now it feels like they're anything but. If they're going to do anything, I would imagine it would be buying as they're tied for first place in the division. The bullpen has been outstanding for them. Chris Bryant's having a career resurgence. Is this team for real? Are are they going to be hanging around the top of the division all year long, in your opinion?
6: Well, I I think so. I mean, I had them. Pegged for somewhere in the 85 to 90 win range, and I think they clearly have the talent level for that. Um, the bullpen has really been the surprising part of that club. It's not that I thought they were going to have a, a terrible bullpen, but it's turned out to be one of the strongest, if not the strongest, groups in the league, and that's really helped to shore up some of the shortcomings with their rotation. That you know, kind of like the Cardinals, is is heavy on contact pitching in a tw- you know in a 2021 context, and they've been able to piece it together with decent team defense and a great bullpen and an offense that see you can call it resurgent in terms of how bad they were early in the season but really it's kind of a return to form when you look at the the talent level of their core position players they've really kind of gotten back to where they were a couple of years ago and i don't see any obvious reasons why they would fall off or get into that seller status around the deadline. I think they will be adding when we get to the end of July. So
4: what happens then with those upcoming free agents in Bradford and talking about Bryant Rizzo and Baez?
6: I think that they're going to make an effort to resign one or two of them. I think Rizzo and Baez especially um, will get competitive offers from the Cubs and we'll see how badly they want to stay. But in terms of just – because you're worried about losing them. So you're going to take whatever you can uh, in a deadline deal, especially when you're part of the playoff race. I just can't see that playing well in Chicago. Um, I can't see it really even playing well with, with the, the owners there, even though they are become increasingly budget conscious or at least temporarily budget conscious. I mean, if you have a team that is one of the highest revenue producing teams in the major leagues, that's in contention and you've got a ballpark that is jam packed after you know what's ha- what's taken place everywhere over the last year plus. You can't just sell off your best player, or two or three best players. I just cannot see that happening. And so, if you have to head into free agency and just you know deal with whatever uh, ever compensation that you get if they walk, then then you just have to live with that.
3: Final question that I've got for you. We're talking to Bradford Doolittle. You can find his work over at ESPN.com. He writes about baseball over there. You had a great piece that went up earlier today on the Tampa Bay Rays and why, despite the fact that they're 30th in baseball in attendance over the last 13 years and 30th in payroll on opening day on average over the last 13 years, they're fifth in wins over that span. People should go read this piece. It's it's excellent, Bradford. But I am curious, as kind of a a follow-up question to your piece, uh, your title of it was, Why Your Favorite Team Can't Be More Like the Tampa Bay Rays. Do I want my favorite team to be like the Tampa Bay Rays, Bradford? Because it's great to win, of course. But there are some pitfalls to it, in my opinion, with the lack of star players that can actually consistently be a part of your team. Is that fair?
6: Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And, you know, part of what I was trying to convey – along with just the fact that there isn't like one way to really pin down why the Rays are able to succeed the way that they do. But in large part, it is because they are so constrained in terms of budget. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're the Yankees or even the Cardinals, you know, you can't really get away with constantly um, changing out your roster, the best players on your roster to bring in younger, cheaper options and, you know, and try to get by with a $50 million payroll. It's, I mean, it's just not going to play well in the market. You know, it's, it's, you know, you, if you can afford to keep a a core of of recognizable players for your fans to invest in, then you got to do that. Well, with the Rays, they're they're a team that averages at you know, 10 to 15,000 in attendance most years. And, you know, they do have a good fan base. They have solid TV ratings and, you know, in their, in their region, but they're just, sort of a unicorn and and really in the entire professional sports place there are definitely things about the way that they go about winning efficiently that other teams can look at and figure out how to incorporate their processes but I don't think there's any way that any other team in the major leagues except for possibly the Oakland Athletics can really try to mimic the totality of, of the way that the Rays go about winning.
3: It's a great piece. People should check it out. It's over at ESPN.com right now. I highly recommend it. It's, it's in tr- interesting on how the Rays became what they have been over the last decade plus. Bradford, we always appreciate the time, man. All, uh, all the best to you and yours. And we'll hopefully talk with you again soon as we get uh, closer to the deadline.
6: Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got
3: it. That's Bradford Doolittle joining us here on 101 ESPN. The thing about the Rays that I, I find intriguing, Alex, is that if I'm a Cardinals fan, I don't want my general manager, president of baseball operations, the front office as a whole, to emulate what the Rays do. Otherwise, I don't get Yadier Molina. I don't get stories like Adam Wainwright going out there last year and throwing that complete game when they needed it the most. Those moments happen because you spent the entire careers with those players. The Rays don't really have those guys. I mean, the closest thing they had was probably Evan Longoria, and he's not there anymore. So it's tough for me to say, like, this is why your favorite team can't be more like the Rays. I would probably approach it more as this is why I don't want my favorite team to be like the Rays, yeah, and even though they win a lot.
4: And especially when you have superstars on it, like as a fan, it would be too hard to be a super fan of that team because like, let's look at a Blake Snell situation. Like, you know, he's not going to be here long-term. Even Tyler Glass now, right now, like you make the trade, trade to acquire this guy. You know, he's not going to be there long. You're going to get the probably best years of it. And then he's going to walk. So it would just be so hard to be a fan of a team where, you know, you get to see peak performances, but they're going to be gone right when you start to fall in love with that player. That's the hardest part. I think of being a fan.
3: It's your time check brought to you by Clarkson jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The weekend had three silver linings for the Cardinals. We'll tell you what they are coming up next.
2: Arenado base hit in the center. He's tied the game. Nolan comes through. 7-7. Seven, seven.
1: Collectively right now as a group, we're just kind of struggling all, all together. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, usually you get a couple guys going and other guys are struggling. But right now it seems like collectively we're all kind of in a little bit of a rut. And uh, hopefully we can get out of it.
3: The Cardinals are losers of, I believe it's seven of their last eight games. They are three and seven in their last ten. It ain't going great no for the Cardinals right now. reason to call right them now. names, BK. It hasn't gone well. They just lost a four-game homestand against the Reds for the first time in 30-plus years. It was the first time they were swept in any capacity by the Reds since 2017. That being said, Alex, this show is not all negative. We, we've got to bring the positives of what took place, even though it was a disturbingly bad weekend for the Lucky. Cardinals. You're turning a new leaf. You're starting to be a
4: glass half full kind of guy. what I'm
3: trying to do, Alex. It's a Monday morning. People need a little bit of a pick-me-up. Did that home run derby humble you? Is that why? It did. Yeah, it really too. did. And me so too. now I'm looking at the Cardinals, and I'm like, yeah, they can't hit, yeah. but neither can I. Yeah, this <laughs> can't be as bad as it seems. This is a lot harder to do. So let's look at the positives. Let's take the three silver linings that took place over this weekend. I thought the thing that stood out to me the most on the on the plus side was the defense. The defense was outstanding, and it was everybody. Tommy Edman had a great down r- great play down the right field line. Edmundo Sosa yesterday, the spinning play that he made from short, unbelievable. He, he just
4: continues to oppress me defensively.
3: It's been great. And Tyler O'Neill had multiple plays in left field, both with his arm and just sliding catches, especially going into the wall, that were I mean, there's like five left fielders in all of baseball that could make those plays or that were willing to make those plays. The defense for this team, we knew was going to be an asset, Alex. And now, even despite the fact that Bader has been out for the last what week, two weeks now, mm-hmm it's it was on full display over the weekend and that's something that can win them games throughout this stretch where they don't have the pitching especially for me it's depth of defense right like if you need somebody to step
4: in you know you have a guy who can play short and second base you know you have outfielders who can step up big time if somebody goes down to an injury that's the part that i think is very appealing to people because as much as you want depth for offense because you need those bats off the bench you also need somebody like let's say in a playoff series if Paul DeYoung were to go down or Tommy Edmund were to go down. You need oh, somebody who can that. I know. Well, you need somebody who can step up defensively too, though. Like you can't have a poor you can't have poor defense in your infield if you're gonna be on this
3: Cardinals team. It's not gonna work. If you can have any one significant like if I told you, Alex, at the beginning of the season, hey, the Cardinals are gonna have one bench bat step up, I think the guy I would have chosen that would make the biggest impact for this team would have been Edmundo Sosa. Oh, mine too. Because a guy that can be your backup shortstop, the Cardinals don't have anybody in the minors that can do that. They don't have anybody that is right on the verge of making it to the big leagues. So the next one up is probably, uh, what's his face, Perez? Delvin Perez or Kramer Robertson. Those would be the two guys. They're at double-A? Am I right on that? Delvin's at double-A. Kramer Robertson's playing for triple-A. I mean, that those are guys that are still a little ways away. They're mm-hmm. not there yet in terms of their development. Neither of those
4: guys are on your 40-man roster either.
3: Yeah, it's going to take a little while for him. So you needed Edmundo Sosa to step up this year defensively and offensively, maybe more importantly. He's done exactly that. So that's one thing. The defense all weekend long was spectacular. The next thing, I do think they deserve some credit, even though I understand they're professional athletes and when Mike Schilt says it, sometimes you guys probably were shaking your head as as you're listening to him say it. They deserve credit for fighting their asses off. Every single night in the bottom of the ninth inning, the game tying or game winning run was at the plate. Every single night of this series. Now, they lost all four games, and so they don't deserve the ultimate credit of actually getting the job done in those scenarios. But there are a lot of teams, Shilty is 100% correct in this, that would quit at some point over the course of those games, especially yesterday when they were down. Was it seven to nothing early? Mm-hmm. That's a game that a lot of teams throw in the white towel, especially with a game. Or a day off today, I think that's a uh, an important thing for them.
4: Yeah, and I've turned to new leaf too after Saturday. You know, before I would have made fun of you for saying we should celebrate their achievements and losses, but now, yeah, I think we should celebrate the fact that they came back from what seven nothing in the first or in the first through third inning. It was seven to nothing to score those runs and to tie it up in one inning very impressive. And look, I I do agree. And and I say this about hockey and people always yell about it excuses, but Katie Wu said it as well. You come off of a 17 game stretch where there's no days off in between. You got day and night games. You're going from the West coast. That last game they played in the Dodgers game. They came back. They didn't land until 6 AM. And then you're already taking the field for that next day. That's a lot to look at and to end it 500 on the road and then lose four games against the Cincinnati Reds. But like you mentioned in the open of the show, every one of those games, you had the winning or tying run on base in the ninth inning. That's impressive. You're looking at just one different at-bat approach, and you're talking about a different outcome of a game. So not good, but you are competing and
3: you're staying within those games, which is always a positive in my book. Last thing, the biggest positive that came from the weekend was Nolan Arenado. Nolan Aranato in his last two games was seven for eight at the plate. He looked great. He was locked in. In his previous 15 games, he was nine for 59. This team cannot win consistently when Nolan Aranato is not hitting. They can't especially with the pitching staff that they have currently. And so for him to be able to get back on track a little bit in the final two games of this series was massive. He bumped his season average from Friday night at 266. This is for the season. That's 266 on Friday. And by the end of the weekend, he was up to 287. Mm -hmm. It's 11 points on the batting average from two really good games. He had been slumping. It was the worst slump we had seen from him in a Cardinals uniform in that 15-game stretch. He looked the last couple of games like he was back on track offensively, and that is something that as we move forward, they are going to need out of Nolan Arenado because, as we said, the pitching staff is not where it needs to be right
4: now. No, and look, Nolan Arenado has been a savior because, I mean, you just have that presence every time he steps into the batter's box. Is it declining a bit these last couple of weeks? Maybe, but he's been overly impressive. He's been MVP level level this season for his – his play for this Cardinals team. So, yeah, that definitely should be a positive takeaway. Can I add one to this as well? Please. We got four four <laughs> positives from
3: a four-game
4: uh, uh, sweep at uh, the hands hey of the Reds. This is great. This is what happens. <laughs> you got to find the positives in life. I-, I was actually a little impressed by the bullpen this weekend. That's fair. I, I mean, I I know I'm going to start sounding like Mike Schultz because, what, I think the bullpen lost two of those... Four games. It yeah, was Ryan Helsley and Uh Reyes. Helsley was bad. Helsley was bad, but uh, if you look at, I mean, one, Andrew Miller, that 1-2-3 inning yesterday, that was awesome to see because I didn't think Andrew Miller was going to be effective, And maybe the time off really does help him. Angel Rondon, I think that was a surprise that nobody really saw coming because not only people were talking about this guy, but overall, the walks weren't as absurd as they have been. I think you I think you allowed what a total of five runs from the bullpen in those four games. I was impressed by that because that shows me that a group of guys who are taxed still can battle through it and win healthy with the right days off when you aren't taxing these guys and you have the innings eaters in your rotation. I think this bullpen can be very effective for what the Cardinals need to accomplish. So I was really impressed by the bullpen's performance this weekend, despite the two losses in the four games.
3: Yeah. They deserve a lot of credit for the way that they competed. Um, I, it, it's not good enough because they ended up going over four. They, they were 0 and four over the weekend against the reds, but there were some positives to take away from it. And again, this is one of those situations where it's just very hard to be able to truly evaluate the Cardinals um, when it comes to what they're doing right now, given the injuries. yeah, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 618. Guys, 266 to 287 is 21 points, not 11. Face pump. my bad. Bad math by me doing things on the air. Just it's, because it's you guys suck
4: get. at softball doesn't mean the Cardinals are okay being swept by the Reds. You know what? It puts life into perspective a little bit for you. So for me, it does.
3: Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. I love watching the Cardinals lose consistently, and it means that you guys listen to our show less. That's what I'm I'm here for. competitive, baby. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll cross things over with the fast lane. But next, are the Cubs going to be the Cardinals' biggest threats to acquiring Max Scherzer? No. Oh, boy. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You can talk to other teams about trades, but making trades in early
5: June is a challenge just in general it's even more of a challenge if if people sniff desperation in the air there's players out there um it's just trying to find players that make sense to acquire that that we feel like would be an upgrade and that that could help us
3: that was michael gersh on bally sports midwest yesterday talking about what do the cardinals need to do at the deadline or really as we get here into the month of june He says if other teams sense that desperation from you, it becomes even more difficult to be able to make that move. Well,
4: Alex, the Cardinals are officially desperate. I can sniff the desperation.
3: If you look at their pitching situation right now, they've got Flaherty, KK, Michaelis, Hudson, Hicks, Whitley, all on the injured list right now. You're not expecting Flaherty or Michaelis back until probably early August. We don't know on Hicks, but probably around that same time would be mm-hmm. best case scenario. And KK, they say 10 days. We'll see. August. We'll see on him, too. That's a back injury. I'd... What about Cody Whitley? Have we even heard anything with Cody Whitley? I don't know, man. I don't know. I I would assume it's probably 10 days, and then we'll see. They'll reevaluate him at that point. That's kind uh, of... Well, the... the uh... The, the the results came back positive
4: for us so hopefully it's not too long
3: <laughs> exactly that's that's where we are with all of these injuries so the cardinals are desperate as much as they don't want other teams to think that they are they uh, are des- well john Mosalock
4: basically said they were desperate
3: yeah if you want to hear this so john mozalock last week was asked by the media you know what do you do now this was before the kk injury remember that here's what he had to say
1: the, the timing of these injuries aren't great you know maybe it's uh it's something when you get into august you're finally the, the team thought you were going to be that's still two months away so it's not like you can simply say let's just be patient and and and
4: try to muddle through this it's you know we're gonna have to look at 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 ways to to strengthen our club and and uh there is no timeouts in this business so we got to keep going there's no there's no patience anymore from hearing that like if, if you're just trying to sniff for, for urgency or desperation, well, guess what? You found it because that's what John Mozeliak's comments were.
3: There's urgency in St. Louis right now. There has to be. And the problem is there aren't a whole lot of good options out there. We've talked about this, how there, there just aren't a lot of good pitchers on bad teams. And that's why they're bad teams, frankly. But even the ones that are, a lot of them are hurt right now. John Means, who we talk so much about. He's on the injured list. He went on the IL over the weekend. John Gray from the Rockies. I don't know if they would have even done business with the Cardinals anyways, but he's not an option for at least the next 10 days. He has a forearm strain. We talked a little bit about Spencer Turnbull, who's not great, but he's a warm body that pitches for the Detroit Tigers, so he might have been available. He also went on the IL over the weekend. So all of these guys that could have potentially been options from bad teams, they're no longer an option for you to trade for at the time being it keeps going back to the team that I have mentioned a million different times. It's the Texas Rangers and it's Kyle Gibson. He's really the only guy available right now, or that would seem to be available on a terrible team that's completely out of it. Who would help you? He would immediately come in, contribute, be a top two or three starter in your rotation. And right now legitimately might be your number one starter. Is he perfect? No, not in any way, shape or form. He's pitching above what his career norms are, it's probably going to be closer to what he's been for most of his career, which is like a four ERA whenever he gets to St. Louis. But that helps you, man. If you can get a guy that consistently goes six innings, that's worth it. The question then becomes, what's the cost? Yeah, And that's where it's going to hurt. And that's where Michael Gersh made the comment of that, you
4: know, those teams can sniff desperation. And when they do that, that's going to make the trade become
3: a lot more... Not desirable for the Cardinals. Yeah, so that's that's where I asked the question of Bradford Doolittle a little, little while ago. Is it more valuable for the Cardinals to go out and I'd be curious six five seven eight zero zero Comfort Service text line. I'll put a, I'll put this out on Twitter as well here in a little bit at BK Sports Talk. You can follow Alex at Ferrario one hundred one ESPN. Is it more valuable for the Cardinals to go out and get a solid pitcher right now? I'll say Kyle Gibson, but you can whoever your favorite is of that kind of mid tier pitcher more valuable for them to get one of those guys now to be able to immediately plug into the rotation, but then that takes you out of the starting pitching market at the deadline, or wait it out, see what your current guys do for the next seven weeks, and then potentially acquire Max Scherzer at the deadline. Which one's more valuable for this team? I I don't know.
4: It's more desirable for me to wait it out because I think there will be more teams that become sellers by the trade deadline. Now, does that mean the cost gets more expensive? Probably, especially if you're going for Scherzer, but maybe you're not going for Scherzer. Maybe you let the other teams fight over Max Scherzer because he's going to be a free agent after this year. And maybe he wants to be a free agent. Maybe somebody else kind of emerges as a team that starts to sell off. I mean, right now to see who that would be, though. It is tough to see. I mean, look, Arizona reportedly is already listening to offers on David Peralta. And I know he's not a hitter. he's He's a hitter, not a pitcher. But that means they're going to start looking at it. Colorado's already 13-and-a-half back of the top of the division and and 10-and-a-half back of a wild card. They don't have any pitchers that you want. They got pitchers, but I don't know if you want them or not. But what I'm saying is more teams will become apparent that are going to be willing to trade. I would say wait, because even if it's not Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer is the the top pick in in the trade deadline. See if somebody becomes kind of that back card player that you're thinking, oh, well, nobody's looking at him. Let's see if we can make that deal right now for him. I I just don't see what's out there right now. That's worth you trading away a top 10 prospect in your system
3: for a guy that may or may not help you. See, I think I would actually lean towards the, like if I had to pick one, right? I have the mystery box of, we don't know what the next seven, seven weeks is going to look like, but at the end of that road, you might be able to get Max Scherzer or, I get the bird in hand right now of I've got a number two starter for me the rest of the year that's going to pitch for me for the next four months, and I know I can plug that guy in and he's going to stabilize things for me until August when those other guys get back and can stay in the rotation afterwards. I think I would take the I, I would take that guy now, even if that means I have to accept the fact that I'm not getting Max Schroeser at the deadline. I, I think this team is in such dire straits that I would I would take the guy that I can insert into my rotation today as opposed to waiting for something that may or may not happen two months from if now.
4: If I'm going to look to try and do that today, though, I'm going to try and find a guy who's not going to cost me a lot, right? Like, I'm going to try and find a guy that, that doesn't even slot into a team's projected rotation anytime soon. He's a guy who's stuck in the minors. I'm going to give him a shot.
3: See, but they've got those guys. Like, y- Do y- they, th- though? Who? Yeah, Johan Oviedo is that guy. Okay, that but he's one about. of them. Maybe they go with Angel Rondon. Like, I would rather, if you're going to go pay for something like that, I would rather just give Rondon a shot now and then see what he's got over the next couple of weeks as opposed to giving up something in return for somebody that could be similar to what you already
4: have. I would rather wait. There's just nobody other than Kyle Gibson. There's nobody out there that I'm sitting here going, man, he helps us. He makes us a better team. I would rather wait and see how many more guys like Kyle Gibson become available at the trade deadline time and try and get through this next month because more teams at the beginning of July around the all-star break they're gonna start looking at okay let's start trading away now before the Max Scherzer sweepstakes
3: starts 65780 is the air comfort service tax line from the 618 guys I'd rather sit and stay afloat till the deadline and bring in multiple players instead of just one I don't think you're getting multiple players I think the Cardinals are gonna be looking for quality not quantity at the deadline deadline they've got the quantity is coming back in the form of guys that are currently on the injured list that's where your numbers are coming from Flaherty KK Michaelis Hicks Whitley those are five pitchers healthy players just as good as a trade well maybe not but it, it is that that's where your numbers are coming from then the question is where's that quality that number two starter that we've talked so much about where is he coming from that's what you're getting at the deadline or Potentially right now. And mm-hmm. that's why I would I would probably go get that guy now. I, I think that the urgency KK's injury for me put that put it over the top. That was the one that did it for me where it's like, Man, I I don't know how you get through the next two weeks. If you don't go out there and make a, well, a relatively significant off. move.
4: Luckily, you got days off that you could take advantage of, and it's not the 17 game stretch like we just saw. That hopes this week.
3: Next week's gonna be tough. Yeah, I think they can make it through this week, I'm though. This is where you get the deals done. All about the here and now, BK. With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next, we'll cross things over with the fast lane and we will give away a pair of tickets to Point Fest. Stay tuned. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. with a fast lane haven't been looking forward to this nope. so to make it a little better for all of you guys to have a good time today good time emphasis we are giving away a pair of tickets to point fest if you've been listening you know the answer to this question if you're not listening you probably knew the answer to this question zero probably oh damn it BD. you're not supposed to answer the question What's before the question? it's asked what was the question how many home runs <laughs> did Alex Ferrario and I combined for in the home run derby on Saturday night? The sixth texter to get that answer correct... He might have given you a hint. We'll get a pair of tickets no. to point fest. We so have text been that, that bad. in 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Tax line, the sixth texter to know how many home runs Alex Ferrario and I combined for on Saturday night. We'll get a pair of tickets. The real question, to question point is fest. do we
4: consider balls hitting the top of the wall and not going out home runs? We got one
3: that said six. I appreciate that text. God bless that person. That was probably my mom who didn't show up. We got a six, we got a three, we got a bunch of people. Yeah. That at least had a little bit of faith. Someone believed in us. Time to cross things over with the fast lane. What's up, guys? (laughs) Hey guys. What's going on, fellas? We decided.
2: Anthony and I decided to both come in here and be a part of the crossover and show up together, just like you guys did for us. Like, hey, look, half of our fast lane was missing over the weekend, and you guys filled in. So we wanted to thank you guys for doing so. We appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yeah.
4: You stepped up for us. You did, guys. I'd like to apologize.
3: You I'm don't not apologizing. Yeah,
2: I'd, I'd like to apologize to both
4: of, of your family members for what took Do place. Do we seem mad?
2: We're not mad. Yeah, no.
4: no I was I mad. saw
3: the picture that was posted on, on Twitter, guys. Yeah, that y- yeah your face, you, it's, you were not happy on you Twitter. You were ready to kick puppies.
4: No, I wasn't. No. I wanted to go home oh, and kick I, puppies. I
6: was.
2: Al- like, oh, here's something, Alex. and Anthony and I talked about this while this is. A, it was all in fun. <laughs> Anthony and I did talk about, we were pissed uh, walking off the field as the Riz show was celebrating. Yeah. I think anybody worth their salt, if you're competing in something, you're pissed when you lose it. I know. Whether it be for fun and for jest, I was or mad for, for you guys. right, for you no, know, you should be mad with us, uh, <laughs> But because we were a team. But, well, were we? But at the end of the day, that picture wasn't anger. I wasn't staring at you guys. I was looking at the final score and saying, "Damn it, yeah, we're yeah. better than this." Here's the thing. I think uh, it, it, to
5: echo what BT was saying, this loss is on BT and I. Did it we is. did we hit all twenty seven of our home runs? <laughs> sure. Yes, you did. <laughs> but you know what? Admirably. But you know what? We should have hit more. That's we should have hit. We should have hit. Honestly, I that. agree.
2: That's a good point. That That's is a fact. good point. Because I know I could have hit more. Yeah, me too. Too many uh, line drives. Too many I, feel this, I felt the same so, way. So let me ask both me. me. Let me ask yeah.
4: both of you this then. When, when you stepped up there, was it intimidating as all at all? Like, yeah, when, once when you, you st- guys didn't have anything. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's true. <laughs> I, I got to say, true. so I,
2: I rode a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if I told you guys this or not, but like Moon got up and hit 11 freaking holes. That was yeah. my problem. 11. Yeah, he like, let off. This is so, good.
5: BT's about to give you the timeline
2: of events. Here. Yeah, so so Moon hits the 11. And I'm like, like holy yeah. crap. First of all, he was my sleeper last week. I, I say, I, I think Moon, he's athletic. Mm-hmm. We gave he, he him a lot it. of credit. Yeah, he caught me really well in the challenge, so, yep. like, there were a lot of good things there. I wasn't expecting 11, but after he hit 11, I was like, okay, I'm not as nervous anymore because that, the moon just popped 11. Like, this ain't going to be that hard. And then Ferrario and stepped then, to the plate. And then Alex got up, and he didn't hit any. No. And I won't even tell you, like, how many wall scrapers. There were none. But, like, I, <laughs> no, there weren't. that doesn't matter. But, it didn't like, even look close. But then I had the emotion of, okay, maybe this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, guys. Like... Uh, all right, we're, we're back to even. But then King Scott yeah, got up. Yeah, yeah. King Scott hit five home runs.
3: With a banged up wrist. With a
2: bad wrist. Like he couldn't even finish his swing. We don't have
3: to mention that. part. So <laughs>
2: back to the, okay, I feel good about this. I feel yeah. fine. King Scott hit five. Mm. And then BK came up. <laughs> he, he didn't hit any. Mm. So I got terrified again. So by the time it was a time for me to come up, and Riz hit before I did I'm sure you guys have gone through the events, but, you know, who cares? We're going to do it again. Riz hit eight. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. I his goal
5: hit- was one. He, told me, in the, he t- told me in the dugout his goal was just to hit
2: one. He was slow too. playing it. He was slow playing it.
3: The now, way that you guys thought that I was slow playing it, but I was not.
2: Right, correct. Yeah. Well, live and learn. Uh, but, <laughs> so
3: I ended up with nine
2: just to barely top him and I was so happy. My first swing was a home run, so I felt like, I'm like, okay, thank God. Got one out. Like, like we can't, because I really thought that they were cheating at some point, because Patrico by, uh, brought his boy, Brooksie. Yeah. Who did and, great, and Brooks the was He awesome. was awesome. Shout out to Brooks if he's listening right now, because he pitched to all of us. He just kept going, man. And he was throwing, but I was thinking, it was like, is he, is he pitching these guys tough or something? Like, does he see yeah. it? Like, yeah, this yeah, that was post- that. Clearly, he's guy. using
5: the Pelican grip with Alex and BK. He's
2: spinning it on him yeah. and putting him in bad spots, but then I hit nine. Anthony, you hit 11, and life was, was was fine we just got to the final round and it, it didn't work for us yeah. as a group as a team we didn't do enough right but half of our fast lane team didn't show up you guys showed up yeah. showing up is like the hardest thing so to did do. you
3: did you guys hear what character and smallman said about it earlier today i don't know if i want to oh, so don't we, don't, worry, we, don't to listen to we don't have time here but it's it's in our it's in our folder if you guys want to listen to it later on basically they said You know, this was like the Blues being without David Perron in the playoffs. How could you possibly expect that lineup to be able to go out there and compete with the Avs? And suddenly I I now know what it feels like to be McKenzie McEachern. I I,
4: I I I know what it's like to be Sammy
3: Blay now. uh, I was that guy.
5: With all due respect to... uh, to our fantastic morning show, and Michelle Smallman did a lot of the social
2: media. She was awesome. She was cheering us Number on. Michelle, was great. shout out to Michelle for being there for us. I think
5: I think Peron and O'Reilly were there on Saturday night. I just don't think that um, Tarasenko didn't show up. Tarasenko, yeah. yeah. Um, Jaden Schwartz stayed Jayden home. Jaden Schwartz for right, that one, right? But I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that O'Reilly and Peron were there.
3: Yeah, whoever your two most important players are, yeah, they were there. And then the other guys. I was, was Kyle Clifford. And you guys didn't believe me when I told you exactly what I was. Yeah, you
2: did lack toughness.
3: (laughs) And and I thought that there was some there.
4: Oh, man. Oh, man. I really don't know how to respond you know, to that. You know, if I could do it all over again, guys, which I don't think we ever will get the chance to do, no, BK, I'll no, go to the no. field a lot more with Anthony Stalter.
3: Hey, if you guys have, like, a sand volleyball or flag football That's thing, like, said, I'm in. If we get a five-on-five five pickup hoops game, guys, call me. Last time you played flag football? It was a busted open lip. I did go into the emergency room and had 12 stitches put in, but everything else okay. was fine. The rest of all the right. day was all crazy. Right. Hold legend. on. Hold on.
4: BT's
1: done.
3: Now BK, BK
5: gets. Terrorized on the text line. He beats him out, himself up. I will say this before you got the busted lip.
3: Everything else is great.
5: You were one of our best players there.
3: Yeah. I mean I, I was g-
5: I was the quarterback. You were a receiver. And hey, I put that on me. I, I led you in I led you into that. Nah, I just fell. It's nah, fine. What's coming okay. up today on the fast Lane, boys? Well, we got to talk about the other thing that didn't go well over the weekend, and that's the Cardinals. All of it. The Whole
4: thing we'll spend more time on who had a worse weekend, Cardinals or BK9. Oh,
3: come on, no, yeah, pay, it's hey, enough. We're, we're a
2: team, we're all a team, we're all doing this together. Uh, you guys probably, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking oh. Cardinals showed some fight assets or ass hats, assets, guys. Still assets, love he you, BT. did he say ass hats at the end, end there? No. He said yeah, assets first, and then I thought
3: I heard no, ass. I'm pretty sure Randy
2: said it earlier. With Randy called us ass hats, plain and simple, you're not alone. No, hey, genuinely. Truly appreciate you guys being there for us. Yes. Because if, if you weren't, it was going to be two on four. That would have been And you guys wouldn't fair. have won. <laughs> well, we but, may but, have. But it wouldn't really <laughs> have looked like a team. So thank you, guys. Because I know you guys had stuff to do. You got families. Thank you. And thank you to your, oh, your families no. for showing up, my too. My
3: family left after my at-bat. It was bad. Yeah, my girlfriend, my fiancé said during my, my at-bat on video, at least he's making <laughs> contact. And my niece said, he's trying his best.
5: Your fiancé, Cara, is an absolute yes. sweetheart. Well, that's not get a was chance. proud of you. Yeah, she was. She was. was, she was. I didn't get a chance to meet your
3: wife. She, she will lot. be there next now, time. Now, I
4: did hear your kid crying. I don't think that was because of you. It <sighs> might have been. Okay. All my wife said when she came down, she said, hey, we're leaving because the baby doesn't want to watch that anymore.
3: We've already overstayed our welcome, just like we did on Saturday night. Congratulations to Drew on the pair of tickets to Point Fest. We'll be giving those away all week long. The Fast Lane's coming up next on 101 ESPN.